This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is uh, a bit different tonight because technically, technically, there's no football to talk about. Uh, well, there is international football, but we don't count that on this show. But uh, never, ever want to eschew an opportunity. Your Uncle Chidge has decided that this, of course, would be a fucking superb evening to do a Q&A and to get some of our lovely people who are on the Patreon and Discord to join us, uh, and we will introduce them in a minute. But um, loads of things to talk about on the Chelsea front. Who knows what what they're going to ask us, because they're basically going to ask us questions, and we're going to try and answer them, and hopefully people in Mixler will as well. Uh, But we've also got got some great emails to read out, as we normally do, uh, and it would be remiss of us uh, not to check in with the current state of the Prem Predictions League, not least because I'm doing rather well. But uh, that's obviously my bias. But there you go. Um, so a Q&A show tonight. We've done them before. They're great fun. And this one is called Them's the International Breaks. Chelsea Fancast 930. And of course, I am Stanford Chidge. And as ever, I am joined by the ubiquitous Jonathan Kidd. Ubiquitous? What a lovely word, Chidge. Yeah, I just came to me in a flash. Wow. But it doesn't really make any sense. Like, yeah, because I'm not everywhere. I know, I'm but just... you, for me, you are. You're you're oh, you're an om- I... omniscient and omnipotent presence in my life, mate. Omnipotent. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. It goes with it. Thank you very much indeed. Lovely to be on the show as always. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. And uh, uh, what a what I've, I feel strangely um, as if it's the summer all over again and nothing's happening because all the football has, uh, has has disappeared and also the possibility of the Palace game being off. No, no, of the... it's going to go ahead, mate. Is it yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. Good. That was just that was doomsayers, wasn't it? Then yeah, uh, yeah. ne'er do wells telling me that I was going. Oh no! Um, but okay, can I introduce who's on the show? Well, we we've got one of our slot and three of our other lot, if you see what I mean. So do you want to yeah. introduce our 
one of our lot first, if you see what I mean. Well, of course, is of course the brain of Stamford Bridge, and he has the he has the the soft matter in his head of an octopus. I don't know if that is that a compliment. Do you think, Mark, an octopus? And they're not particularly intelligent. Would it be a dolphin? What would it be if you were a fish brain? Do you think? Uh, I have no idea on the sort of like the brain knowledge of sort of like sea mammals. So I'd have no. to bow to your knowledge. I have to say no, me neither. That's why I was offering. But, but you, you've done voiceovers for. Well, well, I've done sharks. Shark, you know all about. Shark. Oh yeah, yeah sharks. Yeah. I am an expert on sharks. Yeah. Yeah, but well, uh, surely sharks and dolphins are sort of like similar badly. So yeah, no, sharks, but sharks, sharks are only one thing. You know, they just want to eat all the time. You know, so. But if sharks are intelligent, surely dolphins might be. Yeah, yeah dolphins are very intelligent. Or I should say, do- I can't say dolphin brain, Mark me in, can I? It's all a bit, it sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Really? The brain of anyway, a dolphin. The great, yeah. the great brain of Stamford Bridge, the man who knows everything, the man who comes up with something that always makes us go, how did he know that? It is the great Mark Meehan. Thank you very much. And good evening, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. And welcome to everybody's listening this evening, because clearly you won't be watching England. Why would you want to do that? Well, you won't be watching it anyway because it's on some obscure channel that no one's ever heard of, I believe, tonight. Channel no. 4. Is, is it on Channel 4? Yeah. Oh, someone said to me it was on Premier Plus or something. No, I thought I'd never no, heard no. of it. It's on Channel 4. I was watching oh, it. I, I was, oh, right. I had, a sneaky, I had a sneaky look before I came upstairs. So there you go. Has it started yet? Yeah, it's nil-nil. I'm, I'm keeping, a, I'm keeping a, a, a kind of a journalistic eye on it, if you see what have I mean. We, have we got any Chelsea players in the lineup? I presume we have. Uh, Reece, We've got Reece, Reece, Yeah, Reese James. And, uh, and, and Raheem. Yeah, and uh, I've got, yeah, Raheem. Uh, no mount. And uh, they've got Maguire and Dyer, or Dyer Maguire would probably be a better way of putting it in the, in the back. Just, and you want to know why I don't fucking watch England? No, I agree. I agree. What that would that scare awful? any international striker, wouldn't it? Yeah. Awful, awful, awful. <laughs> now, now we have, uh, we have, we have. As I said, you know, when we do a Q and A, we like to get a few of you lot involved. And uh, as you know, and I'll bore you with it stupidly later. Uh, we have a Patreon account. We've had it for many years now. And uh, these mad, crazy people—I don't know why they do it—but uh, they, but I love them for it. But they donate money every month to keep this little thing on the road. Uh, and uh, we have a Discord group, and they're all in that, and that is actually a huge amount of fun. I quite—I love. I mean, even if I don't post as much as I'd like to, I, I, I and, and I know that for, uh, several of them know this, but I roar with laughter, particularly when the matches are going on at some of the madness that goes on there. But certainly with Mister Stick. But we'll get more of him later, no doubt. Uh, but we got three of them in the house tonight. J.K., would you like to introduce them? We have the excellent blue-shirted, all the way from Melbourne, but strangely in London for a week and a half, Mr. Rob Delcini. Hello, Rob. You You muted, Rob. Rob, you're on mute. Oh, your sound's gone. Oh, there you go. Turn, Turn it on. Turn it on again. Now try. I haven't muted you, honest, Gov. It's not me. It's not me. I only do that to Jonathan. (laughs) <laughs> I'd never do it to anybody else you figure out your sounds we'll come back to you in a minute um, do you want to... wearing his blue t-shirt with an excellent British flag it is of course the excellent all the way from Toronto Los Barnes really I, how do I live up to that now JK but thank you and uh, very pleased to be here gentlemen yeah it's good to see you Los and last but by no means least well, it is all. I live from Newcastle, just north of uh, Sydney. What is it? An hour and a half, you said, Theo. It's Theo! I can't remember your surname. You'll have to say it yourself. I can remember what you said. 
staying Kaleski. I'm also wearing a blue shirt, but it's got oh, a good it's got badge blue on it. Well. With a blue badge, yay! If you remember, Theo, <laughs> Theo put in an email the other week, which you read out, I think, Jacob. I remember, I remember. Yeah, I remember. it was you. Um, and I disappointed you by not saying Susanna's actor friend. Oh, well, I, I, I don't mind know. being called that. Yeah, I know. I remember that. Um, now, before we go on, um, well, actually, what we do? Because I'm gonna. I always, we always have a little kind of uh, break just about now before we get into the football. And uh, why should we do anything different? Um, as you all know, when we do a, a Chelsea fan cast, uh, we kind of do it live as well as recording it. And we ah. do that. We do yes, exactly. Well done, JK. We do it through the wonders of something called Mixler. Usually at seven o'clock on a Monday evening and occasionally on a Friday evening at seven. We're doing this at eight because I wanted to make it a little bit easier for some of the people who are overseas to listen and, and join in. Uh, but anyway, when, when, whenever we do it live, live! Uh, we do it on mixler.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. You see, and what you do, like these lot do quite often when they're listening to the show, they, they, they have a chat with each other. They post all sorts of things on there and it is great fun. So I commend it to anybody. And of course, you can always get in touch with us on all the socials at Chelsea fancast. Anytime you like, we will be back after this short break to talk about Chelsea. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. Time to talk football. But before we do that, uh, because for some reason Rob's sound went a bit pear-shaped, uh, we're going to reintroduce Rob. Rob, lovely to see. I, I can introduce you beautifully by saying you are, with me, the longest standing, in inverted commas, member of the Chelsea Fancast tonight. Because you've been you've been listening to this since the bloody beginning, mate. And I've known you that Yeah, well, yeah 100%. I remember sending emails in to Dr. Mark. Uh, for his slot for uh, quite a few years ago, probably about 10 plus years ago now. So, yes, it's been a very long time and he enjoyed every minute, which is why I'm a Patriot. There so. you go. And uh, and and Rob, uh, we, we, I think I think you've come over. I know I remember once you came over because that's when we all went out for a curry and we did a show with Canners and you, you had that T-shirt. I was there when Torres scored because you were there for that West Ham game. Have you, you've, you've been over as well another time too, actually. There's only two times that I can remember. I'm sure of it. Yeah, so the last time I came over, I was with my kids. I think we went to the first game of the season, met, met you down the pub beforehand, and my kids fell asleep in the seat. Yeah. And it was like 500 degrees. Yeah. And uh, I didn't realise that they take the tops off your water bottles before you get in the ground. So... Uh, I think we all got very de- dehydrated and my children didn't enjoy it that much. So, no, no, yeah. But never mind. So there we go. It's great to have you over here. And I was very lucky I actually managed to get to see you yesterday, albeit not at uh, a match. And actually on that point, um, I mean, you should tell you should tell your, your, your curse stroke bad luck story, really, and see if we can elicit the, the correct response to your request. Yes, well, so it all started a year ago. So I booked the fights a year ago, and then six months later, we had an international break for when I was over here, and so I'm sitting here now. Um, had tickets for the West End game, because originally it was on the Sunday, uh, and by I probably uh, got no idea why the FA decided to make it on the Sunday with the Champions League draw 
happening. Then the Chapman's League draw happened, then they moved the West End game back to the Saturday. So I missed that game. And then um, two days into my visit, uh, sadly, the Queen died. Um, so then the uh, Manchester United game or Liverpool game got cancelled. I had tickets for the Fulham game. Uh, I paid <clears throat> amount for those tickets. And, of course, that game got cancelled as well. So here I am. I've been here a month and not been able to catch a single game. Um, booked a tour uh, three months ago to go and see Kerry Dixon Chelsea tour. So that cost £90. And I arrived on Wednesday to be told, oh, sorry, that was last Saturday. So they messed up the dates completely for that. And I can't make the fan cast uh, a night with Kerry Dixon because that's the night before I go back to Australia. So I think as well as my sound tonight, I think everything's been cursed. There we go. Yeah. Whatever you do, don't buy a lottery ticket tonight. But anyway, you, you, you are you are <laughs> here. when I get home. You, yeah, but you are here on the Saturday, aren't you? And yes. You, you are desperately looking for a Palace ticket. I know that. And, I mean, if anybody deserves to 100%. get... I mean, Rob's come all the way over from Australia ostensibly to watch Chelsea play as many times as he can. And as you just heard, he's not actually... He's been fucked over every every opportunity. It's unreal. If anybody has a spare Palace ticket for my mate Rob, please, please let me know and I will get it to him because I tell you what, he really deserves to at least see one game before he goes. He might not be back over here for another 10 years, you know. So there you go. Anyway, advert over. <laughs> I wish you luck with that endeavour. Thank you. Now, um, really, this show's about you lot, not us lot tonight. So uh, we're going to... Who, who would like to ask us a question first? Don't all rush at once, otherwise I'll pick on you. Surely after that story, Rob should go first just to, to, as a sympathy prize for all his bad luck. OK, I agree with that, Loz. Well done. <laughs> Rob, off you go, mate. Yeah, so um, my one is really for the change of manager that we've had with um, recently. And you normally find one or two, if not more, players excel under a new manager that were previously disappeared into the um, archives of Chelsea. So which players do you think will thrive under the new manager and which players will literally be pushed aside? Mm. Great probably, question. A doy probably when he comes back, the impression I get from how he's doing in uh, Leverkusen. Um, I think everybody's got a chance, haven't they? That's a, that's it's 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 a new broom sweeping clean, and uh, there's always that thing of people wanting to um, impress the new manager. But um, even Koulibaly was was quoted today as saying he's going to try and do his best. I think he was stung by not being picked, but I think as he rightfully said um, in his statement, uh, he wanted to go with tried and tradition, traditional, um, almost. Uh, um, uh, celebrities amongst the players, those who 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 were were um, known known um, contributors to the success, and that's why he chose Dave, which I think was a a mistake, as we've all established. That I think he's only got about twenty minutes worth of legs in him. But um, uh, I, I think it depends entirely on how he starts trying to play, what system he tries to play. Um, he, he apparently he plays very similarly to to Tommy Tuchel. Um, and last year, Brighton had the same lack of goals as a consequence. So, um, but the players, seem, the, the players seem to be impressed by him. I mean, I, uh, it's, these are really sort of, you, you're pleased for him that he's got all this time to, to try and bed them in, bizarrely. But at the same time, the pressure on him is just absolutely enormous. I mean, we know that, that he's got the, uh, he's got the, uh, the word of the, 
of the new board he's gonna they're gonna give him support but you know if he has a run of terrible games and the pressure is just going to be absolutely appalling for him it's a bit it's a question of whether some of them don't want to play for him i don't know whether that would be the case they apparently once again according to to rumor they're enjoying the way that he looks at it but the task that he's having i mean he's got a degree in in um emotional intelligence hasn't he sort of sociological stuff if he's actually good with man management perhaps this is a doddle for him perhaps he's having no problem but uh the pressure is absolutely phenomenal for him. And I, I I just hope he comes up with a pattern. I'm actually finding it bizarrely exciting seeing what he can achieve. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, you never have any desire for the manager not to succeed. You want him to be a success and you want the club to be a success with it. And I hope he's a success and I hope it's we see something different. Um, but I can't see, uh, you know, it'll either be Cucurello or Chilwell. I'm a great fan of Chilwell at his best. Fantastic. That goal he scored the other day against West Ham. Straight out, out of nowhere. Brilliant. Quite brilliant. But, you know, it's a question whether he gets back to fitness because it was a nasty injury. Cucurello, he knows, he likes, he might try and play a combination of them. Um, I would hope that Pulisic, something happens. We'd hope that they play in positions that they feel they can express themselves better. Pulisic's complaint has constantly been that he's been played out of position. To be fair, he's not a wing back. Yeah, but, but his position's on the bench, JK. We end deep, exactly. I, I can't. I, but he, you know, my argument has always been, as Chidge's argument has always been, that he, he's not been the player since the hamstring injuries. He's not been the same because he was absolutely fabulous when he, he, when was, he was. He was our best player in that period. Best player. Yeah. Phenomenal, particularly yeah. in the uh, Champions League in those yeah. periods. So, and I just feel he's, I just get the impression he's just slightly scared occasionally he's going to do something to himself. I don't know. Doesn't seem to run into the best positions. He's easily tackled. Um, who are the other players who haven't been 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 doing it? I mean, Zayek is just a strange conundrum. You know, what is going to happen? He seems to be able to, even last year, when you think, is he going to be any good? He'd score a fantastic goal from nowhere. But his recent performances, perhaps he was so pissed off with with um, wanting to get out of the club because we all thought he'd gone to Ajax and even they started making Zayek shirts again in Ajax because um, they thought he was going there. But obviously they couldn't fill the position, so he stayed. But he's just been playing as if he doesn't give a fuck, you know. So I, I'm, I'm, I, it's going to be a, 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 an experience, isn't it? I, can't, I, I, I don't know what Potter will do. Um, he he, he he might come up with a completely different set of players, which would be exciting if he can get them to play together. But um, it's going to be really interesting watching. Excellent yeah. stuff. Mr. Meehan. Uh, I'd agree with JK. I think everyone's got a clean slate. Um, but it's now for each and every player that gets that chance to take that opportunity. And I think Potter will be fair. He will give everybody the opportunity. I'm probably none more so than Ziyech and Pulisic. Despite both coming on and performing poorly against Salzburg. Um, I agree with Clayton, what he said after the game. You, you don't boo Chelsea players, but if they get another chance, they really have to take it because they'll run out of chances eventually with Potter in the same way probably Tommy T ran out of patience with, with both both of them. player I'd like to see, and I know it's been a bit of a stop start for him so far, I'd like to see Conor Gallagher get a decent run on the side. I think there's a player there with real talent uh, and again, nurtured in the right way by Graham Potter. You know, that, that could be one very much as will get a sort of consistent place in the side. Uh, I wish Potter well. Uh, and I think if you've gone through the madness of getting rid of Tuchel, uh, every player's got to have a fair chance. And I think Potter has as well. And 
if it doesn't start well, and I don't think it necessarily will, you know, because he's inheriting a side of like you know, low motivation. And also he's got to find the best formation that suits him and how he wants to play. I know, I know he tinkers, you know, and sometimes tinkers during the course of a game, but he needs to find the players that match the preferred system he wants to play. And that might take time. So if you think about it, November will soon be upon us. So we might even get into November where he's still finding his feet, finding his way. Um, but I think people have got to be tolerant. I think people have got to be patient. Uh, this may not be like many Chelsea managers before, an instant fix, an instant managerial bout, uh, and everything's hunky-dory again. If this new administration are basing their model on the Dodgers' model, and they've made a big thing about it replicating the coach who's there and he hasn't been sacked and he's been there eight years, well, if you've given him a five-year contract, I'd like to still see him here in five years' time. Yeah, well, we shall see about that. I, I think it's a really good question, Rob, because I don't know the answer to it. I really have no idea. And Even Lukaku might get a chance. Well, who knows? I mean, <laughs> it, well, and it, I mean, actually, you know, all joking aside, that that may be because, yeah. you know, maybe maybe Potter will play a kind of football that actually might get the best out of Lukaku, where Tuchel failed to, which kind of wound Lukaku up, and the rest is history. But I honestly don't know, mate, and I don't think any of us do. I think that's the thing. But what what I if I was to have hazard a guess, I think perhaps you need to look outside of the box slightly. And I've I, literally about an hour ago, I finished doing my, my CFC UK piece for the next issue. And um, that's, that's early for you, Chidge. I know it was remarked upon in the WhatsApp group. Walter said, that's early for you, Chidge. And you're right. I'm about, about six hours ahead of schedule when I finished it. But um, I mean, it's called culture club. So I really have gone into all this stuff that I've been whinnying on about here about um you know Bowley's desire to change the culture of the club um but I didn't I didn't do I had a bit of a meltdown on discord the other week with my old chum Mr Crowther as Loz will probably chuckle and remember when I was pretty sour about it all but I was a bit more level-headed today and I think a lot of that came out of the chat with some of the boys on the on the fan cast recently because you know, I was saying, well, how, how, you know, what's this rubbish about Bowley saying we're going to make Chelsea even more successful? I mean, we're the most, we've been the most successful club in the country for the last, you know, nigh on 20 years. And I had a thought about it. And actually, I think Bowley's plan is to make what Roman's plan was work. And Roman's plan was always to invest in the academy, make it the best academy in football and supply a production line of, of potentially world-class homegrown players and then, with the money that he had, and now Bowley has, to supplement that with already established world-class players and make us an irresistible force. And, of course, what happened was Roman did invest in an academy and produced a production line of potentially world-class players who he then sold or loaned out into obscurity because he, like most of us, had the patience of a gnat cock and would fire a manager after 18 months because they hadn't won anything because basically what he really wanted was none of that. He just wanted to win trophies. I think, you know, I think maybe in 20, 30, 40 years time when people considerably younger than me, Mark and Jonathan are doing whatever the next iteration of the Chelsea fan cast is, they'll look back on Roman's years and say, well, really what Roman was, was a super fan. <laughs> you know, he was just as, as, as crabby and irrational and emotionally all over the shop with it as we all are. And he said, no, no, I just want to win. 
and they just fire somebody, spend more money, and basically you went round in circles. So I think Bowley actually has a plan, I've now decided, and I think that's what the plan is. Now, if that is what the plan is, I'm not surprised to hear, for example, that there was news, as JK was saying last week or earlier this week, that they're, they're mooting a, potentially mooting a return of hudson Adoy early because he's showing really good form. And I think that that fits in with what I'm saying. So I actually think if there are going to be winners in terms of players at Chelsea, I would, I would, I would say Gallagher, Mount, Reese, um, possibly Brozier as well. I think the youngsters that we've already got who have come through might well benefit from this because whether or not Bowley said to Potter, this is what I want or not, I think that that's maybe where it might head. And I think it, it's, it's, not, it's pretty obvious to say I think some of the old stages, A, might not take to Potter because they've been around the block a while. Who are you? What medals have you won kind of attitude? They're more likely to be mercenary, so they might think, well, I don't fancy this. Let's get another transfer somewhere. So I suspect the winners might be more of the homegrown players and the ones, I mean, I think, you know, Chucka Waka, whatever his name is, apparently did quite well in that behind closed doors game. I wouldn't be surprised to see players like that, that that Neil Barth helped to bring in do quite well, because I think this is all part of the plan. So if I was to make a guess, that's what I would say. So what do you think, Rob? And then Loz and Theo, you come in with what you think as well. Yeah, I think you're true there in regards to um, Potter coming in. And obviously, he, he's he been given a plan by Bowley. Um, and hopefully, that plan is a long-term one. Um, but I think previously, the club has seen the academy as a source of income to supplement these big signings that they get in. So, we're one of the few clubs. They may It, with... may, it may still well pan out like that, Rob, to be fair. I don't think we know, but there's a possibility yeah. that that might still happen. Um, but I just hope it's a long-term plan. And so we give the youngsters a chance and there is, um, there's always going to be pressure, but I'll just hope that uh, with Bowley and the way he's run his previous clubs, that um, Potter will be here in five years' time. And it's more of a looking at the Man City model where, you know, um, the Man City manager, uh, Guardiola, came in and he didn't win something straight away, but he built something. And I'm just hoping he sees that and that's what the plan is. Laws? Yeah, I think it's it's very amusing to me, Chidge, that for so many years we've talked about, wouldn't it be nice if we had a project and built a team again over a number of years? Um, and the minute we get to the dawn of something that could be that, everyone is scrambling for the exit. Um, I think you've got to give part time. I think the sacking was... Well, you guys remember, I wrote in, you read my letter. I, I, I was a bit crystal... What was her name? Mystic Meg on that one, because I did say I saw the writing on the wall. But anyway, um, Potter needs a chance. But in terms of players, you know, I think you're right. I think the English guys will stand out. Um, the only thing I'll disagree with Mark on is if I never see Ziak in a Chelsea shirt again, it won't <laughs> like, Seriously, that, that geezer has the worst attitude I have ever seen. Like, you know, I've, there's been plenty of prima donnas as a legacy fan, for those of you on Mixer. Unfortunately, I started supporting Chelsea in 1971. Um, there have been a few over the years I've gone, where did they come from? But his attitude just stunk to the point of, if you can't play for the shirt, this is Chelsea, get the hell out. Yeah, yeah. He's hitting those two free kicks against the wall at the end of the game there were just absolutely appalling, weren't they? 
Mm. Well, and and again, JK, the first one, fair enough, but fighting Reese to take the second one. I know, I know, I know. You know, at, at what point does this brass neck actually ever get wound oh. in? I just don't think oh. I've seen it. Phenomenal, yeah. I agree. So, so um, I do think as well with Bodie, sorry, Chich, the sorry. other thing is, if this plan to buy feeder clubs that has been being muted in the last week or so is true, and he's trying to build that kind of model, because let's be honest, and one of my questions later is about the lone army and, and one player in particular. That gives City a place they can still control the growth of the players. If you take Billy and his crap loan to Norwich last year, it did nothing for him. It did nothing for Chelsea. And I don't think Tommy had a clue when he got back from that loan any more than he did when he left. Mm -hmm. So there's a potential here to build clubs that will actually see us able to test talent before we start going, are they a first team or not? Which I think is exciting. I agree. And again, positive the, laws. Absolutely agree. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I have to say, the uh, the last thing I will say is... Uh, just watching Todd get Gary Neville in a ladder is just perfect. The more, the more we can boil their piss, the better. Well, you know what? That article I wrote for CFC UK, that's one thing I forgot to say, actually, which has been part of Chelsea culture, is that our ability to boil everybody's piss. And that's a an omission. It's too late. Actually, I don't know. Maybe I've got time to send another one to DJ. He'll, he'll hate me for it, but I won't do nah, it. You got, you, I haven't even done mine yet. I'm doing mine after the show. So Mate, you've got plenty it's of time. already 1750 words. He'll, he, that means it will be font size 7.5. So <laughs> I, I better not. Um, right. So, Theo, what do you reckon about all of this? I reckon it just depends on where he plays them. Mm. I think I'm, I get annoyed when when Mount gets paid, played at right wing I just I think he's wasted there I think he's probably our best playmaker apart from Reese James so yeah I, I just don't think he's a winger I <laughs> I even think Reese James would be better off playing further upfield and I love Tuchel but one of the things that pissed me off was when he put Reese James at right at right centre back and then put Espilicueta at right wing back and I was just like or even and cheat Loftus cheat went out there as well didn't he yeah and and it kind of it made it made Dave look even worse because, okay, so he plays usually at right centre-back and then when we need better defence, we play James at right centre-back. So, yeah, he's, he's kind of redundant now, but I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Hudson-Odoi come back and, and it's, it's just great to see that our youngest, our youngest talent is from Cobham. Like, it's at the moment, like, yeah, if we keep going down that route, um, yeah, within a few years, I don't see how how Graham Potter can get it wrong. Just play them in the right position, play them to their strengths. If if you yeah, watch the last think, couple of games of, yeah, don't you think as well? No, sorry, I tried to interrupt you. Don't you think as well that he's going to buy some big marquee players? Because I think he will as well. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Todd Bowley would not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> would not. Uh... The the huge amount of money that they have. I mean, I I yeah. hadn't appreciated i watched that interview he gave to salt the other day and you know he's got 60 companies they've the they are awash with dosh it is yeah. quite phenomenal and if he wants to get get the team to be the leading team in the world he will do it and this is why people are being so i don't know short-sighted at the, at the uh, and questioning and it's a model that absolutely works for him. Well, I think there's a bit of xenophobia in that, JK. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, agree. I, I, I really do. But I mean, you know, I think your your point, 
you know, I think if if one takes the emotion out of it, and I think let's be fair, I think most of us were pretty emotional about Tuchel going. Um, you know, I said when we signed him, and Loz reminded me of this on Dis- Discord. Yes, but Chid, you called him Tommy Two Shits, mate, because you didn't give two shits about him. <laughs> and, and and I cannot lie, Loz is absolutely right. <laughs> but the son of a bitch won me over and I fell in love with him all over again, you know, and yeah. I was pissed off that he'd got fired. But when you take a step back and, and think about what they're doing, and, and as I said, we had the, the joy and benefit of being able to do that, you know, in real time, didn't we, on the show. Um, how does Bowley make Chelsea more successful? And I go, oh, yeah, well, they are successful. They've won. Tw-. Yeah, well, the reality is we should have won more Premier Leagues and more Champions Leagues in that 20 20- years that Roman had the club and maybe if he hadn't sacked so many managers so damn quickly or bought duff players we might have done so actually we can be more successful and I think you were basically responsible for kind of making that point to me JK saying I remember yes you changed your mind I did of course of the so uh, it's a frightening thing seeing me change my mind in real time I have to say I was pleased yeah. I'm very pleased I managed to do it you did not doesn't happen very often but you did no, never <laughs> I don't know about never but there you go it's interesting times. Um, Loz, let's go to you. You've got a question, yeah? I have. Um, apart from, I had a couple of those life's great mysteries, like, you know, how the hell do we fire many managers and still Hilario has a job? But anyway, <laughs> what I actually want to ask you guys, because it's been, is I was on this with Billy's, but it's now shifted to Ethan. Ethan, I think, yes, he won nearly his 40th cap for Wales. And yet we still don't seem to know what we want to do with this guy as a player. Is that indicative of the one of the problems with the loan army that we just allow guys to basically get past their sell-by date on the shelf and not make clean decisions to either bring them into the first-team squad or sell them? Um, and, you know, Allah, Howe, Baba Rahman... Batman and God knows who else are still officially on our books. And is it time for that to change? Um, I'll have first stab at that. Um, I think absolutely yes. Uh, and I think that, that that process actually really started in earnest this summer. Uh, I think they, they did manage to get rid of a lot of the dead weight. But I think it's just indicative of how much dead weight that we have that they've still got a fair way to go. You mentioned Batshuayi, absolutely. You mentioned Baba Rahman, absolutely. You know, uh, there are there are there are still more of that dead weight to to get to be got rid of. I think I think the situation will change with some of these players like like uh, Ampadu and maybe one or two others. Um if if they do stick to their guns with this plan which is long term and keeping a manager in in his job for a long time. Because that that means the manager will get time to see whether they can cut it or not. I think half the problem that we've got is that you don't have, you know, long enough as a manager at Chelsea to be able to make that assessment. And then suddenly else comes in and the whole the whole process gets elongated by another 18 months. Then they get fired. And then it so that that I think, you know, Ethan Ampadu, I think, exemplifies exactly what I'm talking about. You know, he was breaking through a bit like Billy Gilmore was when he was 16. And he, that must have been six years ago. And yet we've hardly ever seen him play. But he's how many how many managers have we had in the last six years? Anybody know? Have a guess. I Make, guess at nine. Well, I think that's probably. I mean, if it's if the average is eighteen months, then it's got to be at least three, possibly four, right? So that that's the problem, isn't it? You stop that, then I think maybe you solve that problem. I always feel there's terrible pressure on the players that come back for pre-season. Yeah. 
who then have to convince the manager. I mean, having said that, though, they do have um, they have a mentor that's set up. Each loanee has a mentor and the way they're playing is supposedly discussed with the with the management. But you wonder whether they really pay attention to that or something goes under the radar. I always just feel it's like a, a dreadful audition. It's like the cattle market of an audition for an actor when you go in and they're just giving you Next. a few seconds to do it. Yeah. And and they're having to at that moment to prove that they're decent enough. And they might be just injured. They might not be, they might be nervous. They might be just not on the ball for it, not on the boil or on the ball for this this moment they're having to do it or something. And it's up to that. I suppose you would say that Tuchel knew exactly, you know, the kind of player he wanted and it didn't fit with Ampadu. But it is, you'd, you'd have thought that if that's the case, they haven't made a decision about him, well, then sell him. Sell him for a large amount of money. Because as you say, Chidge, 40 caps, whatever it is for Wales, phenomenal. And he, he plays very well for them. So there must be something that is doesn't work for Chelsea, in which case ship him on. Don't keep, it, psychologically, it might, can't be doing him any any good at all can it constantly being rejected and going off and playing somewhere else with a new group of mates that he has to probably at the end of the year the teammates he's off to another club I mean poor old Piazon he never came to anything did he He was just constantly being shipped about everywhere and he started off as being a really elegant Brazilian didn't he Piazon if you remember him he played a couple of matches and you thought it was like um mckechran as well was oh, another yeah. one initially yeah. so you just think are they impaired by the experience well there, there is there is the other side of the coin which we've talked about before which is that you know somebody who can look like a world beater at 16 they just don't yeah. train on and by the time they get to 20 whatever they had they lost it yeah you know they you know so there's a it's or a really weird it's something. a weird yeah. period for a player yeah. between 16 yeah. and say 2021 20, so mark what do you reckon mate I think I'll bring it back to the first question about people giving a chance. Uh, and I think it'd be great to see if Potter is around for the long term that Ampadu gets a chance because he's been out on loan now for what, three years now. He's been nowhere, nowhere near the first thing. He got his debut under Conte, and that's five years ago. And he, look, he looked a talent, and all the reports back from every loan he's had seem to be glowing. Uh, and I don't see what. Yeah, how much more he can do. He didn't have a good year at Sheffield, though, did he? he no, that's true. Sheffield, you know, but the, the last couple of years in Italy, he's got glowing reports. He's playing in Serie A, uh, getting really good reports about how he's playing. He started already well at Spezia or Spezia, however you pronounce it. And remarkably, he was only 22 last week. Yeah, he's still a really young player. Um, and he, he, there's a danger he's going to be out on loan as, like, as long as Victor Moses or Batshuayi. Or Babarama, and we just have to make a decision about him: either sell him and put him out of his bloody misery, or actually bring him back and give him a chance. Because I, I think there's a player in there. You know, for his number of Chelsea appearances, he's only played seven times for us, and I've probably seen most of those games. And I thought he looked a player, but again, like many, you do wonder. And I know it's long gone since the days of Eddie Newton, but I'm not sure who does this mentoring or scouting these days. For is it Kudacini? I'm not. I'm not sure who, but. The manager never gets to see these kids play or the loanees play. Um, so it's the scout or the mentor who's feeding back. And either always feeding back, you know, the right thing about the player. Because sometimes a second opinion is better than one opinion. And you can have a biased opinion and think, oh, I don't think uh, he's never going to make it. I don't rate him. So you need some, I need two eyes on it. And I just think Ethan Ampadu has been really, really unlucky with his time at Chelsea. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Theo, Rob, what do you reckon? And you're both on mute, just to let um, you know. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so how many places are really... I, I, I feel sorry for the coaches because they start the season and there's, what, 25 spaces in a Premier League squad and they've got, like, 70 players turn up at the start of the season. And really, how many places are available? Three or four? Because you could probably name 20 off your top of your, top of your head that's going to make it. And it's exactly what Jonathan said. We should be trying to sell these players. And I think maybe we haven't had the right um, valuation or right quoting from, from clubs to buy these players. So I'd rather put them out loan for a year and maybe they're impressing for another club to come in and try and buy them because... Yeah. I don't think half of these players are ever going to get in our squad because there's not enough spaces. That's a very good point. Theo? Um, I don't know. I'm going to answer, uh, answer the question with a question. Would Mount have made it and some of these other players from Cobham if we didn't have a transfer ban? Would these guys even be in the squad? I, I would be amazed if they did. In all honesty, yeah, I would too. be amazed yeah. if they did because it just didn't me happen. Too. It just never happened, did yeah. it? Exactly, and that like would be where, that would be criminal, in... Theo. That would be criminal if you think about it. Yeah. How, how yeah. many more have and... we missed because of that? Exactly. Yeah. And like now that Bowley's here with his wallet half out every time someone's linked to Chelsea, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We might not see plays coming through again, and it's that that's sad. Yeah. That that I think that that that's you know the other side of the coin of what I was saying earlier on and I think I think is is a distinct possibility you know but I mean it's you know a lot of people that that we all know you know uh, who write and stuff and uh, you know like Joe Tweeds for example people I respect um, we've all written many times over the last 10 years about you know what, what we're now calling the Bowley plan about this idea of you know blending the best of the best of our youth with the best players we, you know, our money can buy from around the world, you know, established world-class players. And that's the mix that you want to have a successful side. It's, it's footballers, you know, those of us old enough have been watching it for years. It is not rocket science. It's pretty simple, this game of football. You know, it ain't, it ain't that clever, you know, so that's what you have to do. But uh, I take your point, Theo. I mean, every world-class established player we buy uh, is going to be at the cost of a talented youngster coming through. And that's the difficult bit about football. That, that bit is not so easy. Right. Um, what I'm going to do now is we're going to have a quick break and then we're going to come back and have more of the, more of the same, hopefully. Um, before we do, though, I've got uh, my usual round of plugs to do. But this one is uh, more important than anything else ever. Or what did the Speaker of the House of Commons say about the Queen's funeral? The most important thing that that will has ever happened. Well, he's wrong, because the next most important thing that's ever happened is actually happening on October the second, because it's uh, we're doing our first Chelsea Fancast presents at the Troubadour Club, which is in uh, Old Brompton Road, and uh, it's a fine pub, very famous establishment actually. Bob Dylan played there once, and and now us. So we're in good I've company. Played there. Jonathan's already played there, of course. I should have realised that. Um, but yeah, so basically, what's the deal? Well, we're going to have Kerry Dixon along. That's the deal. Uh, who a uh, great friend of all of ours and a lovely man, but also called you know he's a Chelsea legend. I mean, 193 goals, one of our best strikers ever. 
and an absolute brilliant, very entertaining bloke when you get him into an environment like that with a few pints of lager shoved down his neck, that's for sure. So the doors open at four o'clock, Sunday, October the 2nd. Uh, we plan to do, because it'll be the day after the Palace game, we plan to do like a kind of a mini Chelsea fan cast, me and JK and Kerry, just to kind of review that game. Um, obviously, if you all come along, there'll be a live audience and you can join in too. So there we go. That's kind of the point. So we'll do that for a little bit and then we'll have about an hour of a, of a, a special kind of Q&A with Kerry where I'll, uh, you know, field uh, questions for him from the live audience. And then uh, about another hour of just getting drunk and you lot meeting Kerry, having a chat with him, telling him how much you love him and signing, getting him to sign your stuff. So it's kind of ostensibly three hours from four o'clock on Sunday, the 2nd of October at the Troubadour Club. And the tickets are 20 boons, which is about the market rate for these kind of things, if not a little lower. Um, how do you get tickets? Very, very simple. Um, you go to www.ticketweb.uk and then search for An Evening with Kerry Dixon. Alternatively, if you if you just check the Chelsea Fancast Twitter account, I've got all the details of this posted uh, or pinned to our account. And you can you actually have the, the web address, which will take you straight to ordering a, a, a ticket for the Kerry Dixon evening. So please, please, please come along. I mean, apart from all of that, apart from the fact you get to see Kerry, have a bit of fun, um, we would love to see you. I mean, the, I think most of the fan cast lot are going to be there. So, uh, I mean, I might even get Marco to have a little table selling his books and things. We'll see. I, I better ask him, really. But uh, we'll be there. It'd be lovely to see a few of you have a few drinks and enjoy the company of one of Chelsea's greatest ever players. So uh, get on it. Get the tickets before they run out. So there we go. We'll have a quick break and then we'll be back for more Q&A. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Football right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm, of course, Stamford Chidge, uh, part two of our little show, which is called Them's the International Breaks. But that's a bit of a misnomer because really this is just a quick Q&A show. Uh, and I've got Jonathan, the lovely Jonathan Kidd with me. Whoop. And the fantastic Mark Meehan. Evening, everybody. Good to be on the show. But even more important than those two, and there's nothing, there's not a lot that is more important than these two. But if there was something more important than these two, we've we've got three uh, guests on the show tonight who are from our Patreon and Discord groups, and uh, one of them is Rob Delcini, who's a very old mate of mine. Been listening to the show since we started. Hello, Rob. Hello. And we've got the fantastic Loz Barnes, who's the voice of reason on uh, the otherwise uh, completely insane Discord group. Evening, all. And we've got the fantastic Theo. Now, Theo, I didn't, I didn't ask you earlier on. I mean, how long have you, you, you? Um, would I be right in saying you're fairly new to us, the fancast, or have you been listening for a long time? I reckon I've been listening for about three years ish. Yeah. yeah, relatively yeah. new. Relatively. How did you? Yeah, find, relatively how, how did new. you find us? Um, you can kind of thank COVID actually, because like I used to watch games with friends and and my brothers a lot, and then obviously. COVID, uh, yeah, just gave me a lack of social gatherings with with games, and yeah, I, I listened to a lot of podcasts. I was like, hey, why don't I yeah. look for a Chelsea podcast? And yeah, lo and behold, I found found you guys, and there was a lot of 
there's a lot out there yeah, <laughs> and well. there's a lot of junk out there <laughs> yeah i mean we when we started so. there weren't it was just it was just us and i think the chelsea you know the chelsea that was it and i mean now you i would i wouldn't be surprised if there's a, about 100 chelsea podcasts out there now all over the world i wouldn't be i don't know but i wouldn't be surprised so yeah you know i i'm always astonished we get anybody relatively new listening because in face of all the other people that do it it's, it amazes me anyway um theo it's your turn for a question my friend yeah it's um my question's sort of along the lines of what we've been discussing already i i uh, realized that after Tuchel got sacked that he actually did us a huge favor in stopping the signings of people like Ronaldo. So my question is, do you think that come January, Todd Bowley is going to splurge and buy just another superstar and possibly something we don't need? Or do you think, Potter has actually gained some respect and they have a good relationship already and they'll actually only buy sensible, <laughs> if, if that's even possible for Chelsea at the moment, sensible signings. Mark, do you want to have a bash at that first? Yeah, you'd you'd hope for, for the latter rather than the former and only sensible signings. Uh, but I wouldn't rule it out. I don't think that door is closed yet on Ronaldo. I think Tuchel was quite right to say it wouldn't fit into the team structure. It would be disruptive. Um, but it's very soon for Potter to actually sort of be sort of like shouting the odds. So it might very well be one that might happen in January. I think we, we have to wait and see. And I think also it really depends uh, what happens uh, over the next few weeks and then very quickly post-World Cup. Because we might not decide to sign any player because the team might be doing well and they might just need sort of strengthening in one area. Or the car crash that I'm, I'm worried and said many times, I think the World Cup could be, uh, we might have players picking up injuries. These players are going to play, some of them, 70 games this year. And we might definitely need to buy in the transfer window. Uh, but I'm not sure we necessarily buy big because it's rarely in the January transfer window, probably Fernando Torres accepted. And that wasn't... You know, Completely successful. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Cahill. Bar, 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 Barcelona, Barcelona aside. So, but Gary Cahill wasn't a marquee signing. You know, Gary Cahill at the time was bought as a squad player. He was more like developed... a small tent signing, wasn't he? Yeah. He was, Gary Cahill was, it was like a backup squad player because we had strength and depth centre-half. And he broke into team. And he was it turned out to be a, a very, very good buy for Chelsea Football Club. But you don't often have marquee signings come available in January because... If you're a world-class team with world-class players, you're not going to sell those type of players in the January transfer window. They're more likely to come available in the summer. Unless, and it comes back to JK's point earlier, because Clear Lake Capital have got something like £62 billion and God knows how many companies, is it really being money, no object in January and they will you know, entice a world superstar? We, we will have to wait and see. JK? Um, I think he'll buy Ronaldo at um, at Christmas. I, I, I just think Ronaldo, he'll... the red-nosed reindeer. Yeah, I just think he because that's a business move, isn't it? It means if if can he'll want to play Champions League. This is, I think, dependent on whether we get into the um, uh, in, in, past the group stages. So these two Milan games are unbelievably. Sorry, I'm supposed to say Milan now. Milan, Milan, apparently. Um, 
yeah I, i'm I, I just think that's the way it's going i just see it i because it it'll be it becomes talismanic it doesn't become um, it becomes a, a um a, you know that's making a splash I, I just and obviously i think this is one of the reasons why he and tuchel fell out. i think there were many reasons why he and tuchel fell out but i think uh i think he's refusing to have anything to do with the ronaldo signing just didn't sort of get the but do you blame him uh, no, I don't, because because it it, it was it's, com it's completely against the system. But if if they can make it work somehow, if he could get him to play, he doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to come on from the beginning, does he? He could come on as a shock player substitute, which is what he's been doing for United. You know, I I, I just think it's the the shirt selling and the the totem like quality of having a player like Ronaldo play. You know what? If if they sign Ronaldo. Uh, uh, in the January transfer window, then what we must do is is to grab Ashley Cole back from Everton so that he can have him in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Except he'd be playing for us, though. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. It was clever. I just ruined your joke. Thank you. So, I'm used to it. Don't worry. This is what I. I, I have to, this is what you see. You don't see this. You see, but no. you know, you don't get to see this. You just hear it. You know, this is what I have to put up with every week. No, every no, week. no. I'm very supportive of your. <laughs> Interesting jokes. You always laugh at the ones that aren't funny. That's what does my head in. Is that well? Sorry, well, it's just most of them, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I didn't answer your question. You didn't really. actually. I was just trying to think where we were. Thank you for rescuing me. I, I, I went off on a slight tangent there. We went so, off to Ronaldo. Yeah. What, tangent, yeah, what did you, What did you ask again? Whether Whether um, you, I've forgotten what you asked just then. Whether question? you think he'll buy a superstar or oh yeah, well, I did. I, I did answer the question. Oh, you did. You yeah, did. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I did. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. But I. Um, but I think what's is this boy Leo? I think they're after at the moment as well, isn't it? Apparently, whether you can believe Leo, Leo Sayer on the on the media. Yeah. 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 Um. Um. It, what's it? I won't let the show go on. You remember that yeah, one? Yeah, I do. I won't let the show go on. Um. Uh. God, that's going back a long way. Um. I don't know where that came from. Um. But well, I do actually. But anyway, um, uh, but yeah. So um, and he's about he's 120 million, isn't he, Leo? And and yet, it's the, so there'll be. I, I reckon, I reckon there'll be several like this. I reckon if he wants to make it into the the greatest club in the world, which is the way that I see this going, they're going to buy. They're going to do what the man they do the Man City model. But you know what, they'll mate? Do, do you know what, J.K.? Sorry to butt in, but I, I, I yeah, I think you have a point there. But what worries me is that they don't want to make it the greatest club in the world, the greatest football club. They want to make it the greatest show in the world. Yeah, as well. But if it goes hand in hand, you know, and, and he finds ways and means of, they just want to make as much dosh as possible, which yeah. which may be the focus that the club needs to go into that upper echelon, which we never quite achieved. Because there should have been, as you've said earlier, there should have been a, a follow-up. The momentum has never been been carried on with after after we've won stuff you know you'd have thought that after winning the champions league so brilliantly that we that tuchel would have then stepped up but he didn't he still had the say he had a lot of problems with yeah. the team well he, and, won, know, he won it too early you know and i remember yeah, I, I remember completely i remember saying it at the time i'm bloody sure of it oops oops i, I hope he hasn't won it too early i remember as kind of saying but i think the dilemma that tuchel had was that he managed to take frank's side underachieving side and turn it into into world beaters 
And then he then complains later on that he's only got the same players and they're making the same mistakes. Well, we thought the idea that he was almost being clough-like, he'd taken hold of this, this, this base metal and turned it into gold. So um, the fact he can't then complain about the fact that these players aren't, aren't doing it because that's what he did before. So to an extent, um, he created this mess for himself, didn't he really, Tuchel? By not coming up to, by not fulfilling his own immense promise. Yeah, I mean, what worries me though is that you know what we're talking about here is a contradiction in terms. And I mean, the, again, we just don't know, do we? Because we we have to wait to see what happens. But all the evidence that we've had hitherto is still quite conflicting. Even if you look at the Dodgers, yeah. because the Dodgers go and buy whoever the great player is in baseball. I I wouldn't have the foggiest, frankly, but. But also, the other signings are all done on this moneyball approach, this data-driven approach, which they're very keen to yeah. do. I, yeah. I'm going to answer your question in a slightly different way, Theo. Because, I, again, like so many of the questions, I, I really don't honestly know. I think it will all depend on whether we get a director of football soon. If we get a director of football soon, then this is this becomes a non-issue. Because then I think, I think Bowley leaves the football side of the business to... The guys that he's hired to do it which will be the director of football and graham potter and 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 you know if they hire a director of football they're not going to hire one who isn't really into this whole data driven approach so i i think that i think the issue goes away if they hire a director of football if bowley is still you know de facto the director of football come january then any any madness could happen like i mean and i i really think that signing ronaldo is a madness and i agree with jk i think it's enti- that will be entirely uh revenue driven it'll all be about you know selling shit frankly and but that's the point that that contradicts what we've all been saying about Bowley apparently having a long-term plan keeping potter there for a long time bringing the youth through and all of this kind of stuff because you know ronaldo's getting old really even though he's still quite good but he's getting old and he's sure as shit is going to disrupt the club and and that's that's what Tuchel was saying to him and you know I, we don't want that kind of a madness happening or I don't anyway what do you boys think Rob Dos? Yeah I, I think I would prefer the fat Ronaldo than the one guy from Portugal to join our club maybe as director of football mm. um <laughs> But uh, I'd, I'd be very surprised if Declan Rice doesn't turn up at some stage. Um, I think he fits uh, what we need. I think he will fill a hole with uh, N'Golo Kante is exactly what Mark was saying. I think Kante is going to come back from the World Cup so injured and unable to play that I think Declan Rice and the way West Ham are going at the moment yes. is quite laughable. They're going to be nowhere near Europe and I think Declan Rice is going to be pushing... Um, like many players do, to get that Champions League football. So um, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't join. I, you, I would, I would agree with that uh, totally. I would agree with that, and I, I think that's actually, you see, that that's a sen- but that's a sensible buy, because the other thing, well, I think we said it on on the show last week. I am absolutely a hundred percent convinced that both Jorginho and and Kante will. Uh, not sign contracts. They'll do. They'll do what uh, Rudiger and Christensen did last year. So January they become free agents effectively, and then they'll both go in the summer, and we'll get not a bloody cent for them. But hey, it's not our money. Why should we care? But I wouldn't be surprised actually if West Ham are. Let's say they're still, you know, in the bottom kind of quartile of the Premier League. That that, that Reese starts angling. Reese Rice starts angling for a move 
and, and get something yeah. kind of like a pre-signing maybe mark no i think rob's nailed it there um and especially how west ham are at the moment and They've got the Europa Conference League that's going to distract them as well. And that, I think that is impacting on their league form. And you could see the possibility of West Ham continuing to struggle and the, the fickle nature that is football. And especially West Ham United, they're as bad as us in the years of getting rid of managers. You could see them getting rid of Moyes again. And I think if they got rid of Moyes yeah, any time before Christmas, that might push Rice out the door even quicker. Because I think, you know, he... he he gets on very well with Moyes uh, and he's held in high regard by him. So I think that the Rice possibility is the more likely January transfer acquisition than Ronaldo. I think Rob's absolutely hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, definitely. How about both, Mark? <laughs> now, that's, been, that's well, been greedy. <laughs> I think as well, guys, it's also, to me, this is the difference between Man United and Man City's policy. If it, so, Theo, I think the answer is, we will know if it's a project or not by whether he buys Ronaldo. Because it's like when City lost Aguero, they waited for Haaland. They know who they want, they know what their plan is, and they wait to execute. Man United have had so many old, worn-out horses go through that club and have paid the price accordingly. Cavani was just awful for them. Cavani, awful for them. Yeah, but we've done the same in the past. Falcao. Um, Who's the one, that Brazilian uh, Pato, Pato Banton, Pato, that one. Wonderful Shevchenko. Yeah. You know, we do it. That's, that's, I think, the issue is if Potter's really got... I think this transfer window, we've seen a patchwork quilt because of the sanctions. So we've had some old, some young. January will tell us what their real intent is because if he does sign Ronaldo, it's all about let's keep the tills ringing and let's keep the brand up where we want it to be. And he could become the Glazers Mark II. I hope he's actually, you know, going to follow that city model and let's let's really build and see where we can go with it. That that would be the hope. Yeah. All right. Okay, gents. Uh, Rob, you got another question? Yeah, just one uh, quick one. It's mainly about a stadium. So when Todd Bowley took uh, control of the club, part of his manifest and what he was told to do is upgrade the stadium. So a couple of few weeks ago, I heard rumours that the plan was to do it while we we're still playing at Stamford Bridge. So they would lock out certain sections of the uh, the stadium to rebuild and still play in the stadium. And then, of course, the Wembley saga comes up as well. And I'm just saying what would be better for the fans is play at Wembley so everybody can go or lose 25% of your attendance and carry on playing at Stamford Bridge while this building work goes along. And it will take longer, possibly, to build the stadium rather than do it while we're playing at Wembley. And what would be the better option? Okay, I'm going to pitch in first. I know Jake. I know both JK and Mark will have a lot to say about this from from slightly different angles. I expect, but they they we we do know a bit about this. I think my own view about Wembley, Rob, is that that will be a non-starter for the same reason that it would have been a non-starter last time. You will you will unless they unless well. If we have to go to Wembley for three or four years, although you know that's kind of it may the project may take a lot quicker. In fact, they may actually be able to do it. If I haven't seen the plans, but if they're going to do a much more simple build, one assumes then then one can also assume that it will take a lot quicker than the four years it was going to take to to build Roman's uh, kind of folly, if you like. If you moved the fan base out to Wembley for four years, you will lose, I would say, a majority of that. Well, 
I would wouldn't be surprised. Up to fifty percent of them you won't find coming back because they will just fuck off because none of us want to go to Wembley, as far as I'm aware. And that was a point that was made very clear to the club at the time, and it was very real. Um, if you do it piecemeal, step by step, uh, you know, stand by stand. Remember, we've done that before. You know, back in the nineties, that wouldn't be as catastrophic in my view. Although it will be beyond irksome for me for example if they knock the Matthew Harding up or down for a year and I can't go or I can't get relocated and there's no way any of us can get relocated because it's full every week same for JK in the east stand and you know Mark's in the Matthew Harding lower so it's going to be a pain for all of us who are affected but it may be that it might be quicker and as I said we've kind of been there before although of course the circumstances are slightly different because back in the 90s we weren't selling out every week so a lot less people were affected per se. My understanding, as far as I know it, these boys might know more than me, I don't know, but my understanding is that that is the plan, that they, they want to do it stand by stand and it will be a far more simple uh, you know, uh, design than Romans. But beyond, I don't really know too much. I, didn't, I, I, missed, I wasn't at that meeting. Mark might have been, and JK always knows stuff. Not always from Ron, by the way, but he does no. know stuff. Mark, JK, do you want to go first, Mark? I'm just, just chipping out. Or, or he made the statement they were going to do it stand by stand. Yeah, so, yeah. so you know about and they're, they're not going to Wembley. They're not going to no. Wembley. That was never the intention. Stand by stand means he keeps they're, they're there because it would you know be a huge amount of money and the displacement would be ridiculous. And they're not after it. The revenue becomes un, unimportant in that instance. They're just after making it convenient. And uh, but no, I'm I'm I haven't seen the plans. I'm intrigued to see what. What, no, with the knowledge of of the difficulty that they had before in 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 trying to make Roman's uh, um, vision work, um, uh, it, it could take a year to do some of the. It, take, it will take a year. It take a season or uh, to to do each stand. I'd have thought, particularly the East Stand, because that's the um, that's where the majority of the seating would be, um, because they because they're going to build over the railway. Um, they're still uh, going to do that. Um, I, I, well, I, if you're going to make it into the enormous standard, yeah, they're not going to copy Roman's plan. No, no, no. But but if if you're going to make it into the, what else can you do? There are the similarities for 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 the heritage part of it, the the right for light and and everything. I think they're going to be guided, aren't they? They can't build something different because it'll it won't conform. The only reason that 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 the original plans were were that way was because it needed to conform to the. Um, to, to the like the east stand despite everybody saying you just need to get rid of the uh um the hotels it's building the foundations going further out and then you smash into all those those little artist cottages there which have been there from since the the, the before the club was formed you know they and they're not going to build over those then you've got the other side you've got the right to light on the uh um Matthew Harding and because they've got all those other other houses built just behind it so um the 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 east stand was the main area of 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 population it's where you could get the most um the most people in because you can build and using the foundations over the you build over the tunnel you build make a tunnel over the the rail track and the, the railway and then you build onto the back of that but as i said before you need to get those plans in three years beforehand because the they're they're just the, the rail companies are no network rail are known for 
you having to book these things years in advance before they take place. This was something I picked up. I went to several meetings about the superb architectural cathedral that the club would have been under Roman, because that plan was absolutely fantastic. And it's not to be, obviously, in the same way that um, Mears's Mears's dream was not to be, which looked vaguely similar to, to Romans, actually, that kind of all round, starting with the East Stand and then building similarly all round the ground. Little did he know that it would bankrupt the club and cause us to almost get out of the third division. But, um, uh, yeah, no, so I'll be, I, I, I must, I can't wait to see what the plans are going to be like. They haven't been submitted yet. They've obviously, and they haven't even asked for the planning permit. I think this is sometime in the future there, but they will do it. You know, as as I keep saying, as we've all said here, the, the huge amount of money, the, this these these buyers these owners have it's just phenomenal. Well, can, can i can i ask a, sorry mark I, I, I will get you in a sec can i ask i mean would it if they've got pots of money and they don't give a shit why don't they just do roman's plan and put that in for for uh you know planning permission given that it's, it's already got planning permission once uh, good point but perhaps he wants to put it make his own stamp on it perhaps he has an idea they're they're very good at taking care of old grounds you know the the LA Dodgers stuff. They 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 made sure the ground was um, was uh, immaculately maintained. You know its its traditions and its history. So uh, um, I know I I'd, I'd like to see it. There may be there may be aspects of it. Who knows? But it you know things have moved on. Perhaps he wants to make. Um, perhaps he want to put a lot of burger bars in there. Perhaps he'll want to do a lot of uh, um, stick a lot of Amer- American. He's going to make it into Bowley World. It may be, yes, perhaps there'll be uh, an animated, you know, score a goal with Peter Osgood. It's going to be this, like people, yeah, mate, 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 you, you might get some work out of this. They'll probably have, you know, like Stanford the Line. You know, did you ever watch Wally World, that film with Chevy Chase from years yeah. ago? Awful film, but Bobby D's nodding. But there, there are bound to be people that go inside stupid kind of animal type costumes. Or maybe they'll just be full representations of Todd Bowley. So, you know, you've, you've got a bit of work coming up, maybe. I'll be an Aussie creature that I can. You inhabit. can work at Bowley World. I'd rather be David Speedy, actually, if that's okay. Yeah. Maybe that's an idea we'll put to them. So what we'll have, we'll have these kind of like costumes, like like Stand yeah. for the Lion, but for all the ex legends, and we, you know, you can go around. And Jonathan bit. can inhabit as many as yeah, he likes. Exactly that. Yeah, thank right. you, thank you, Chudes, for that's that. That's okay. Yeah. No worries. Um, fucked up shit is what I specialise in. Mark, just as an aside, talking about Stand for the Lion, I saw a brilliant tweet today, and I never realised. Um, I think it was to Jonathan. Apparently, in 2005, someone stole the Stamford Lion costume from Stamford Bridge, <laughs> and they're asking Jonathan today, "Was it you? Who <laughs> <laughs> would steal Stamford the Lion's I costume? You, you can ha- you can hardly sell it on eBay for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't, yeah, you can't actually dress up at parties, or maybe you can and say." I'm having fancy dress. What are you coming as? I'm coming as stamp for the line. Well, maybe maybe it's a fetish. Who knows? No, serious stuff. Back to the ground. Uh, the version I've heard is the same as everybody else is want to do one stand at a time. My nervousness about that is, and I know Bates was fighting with everybody over it. And there was a planning inquiry. It still took about six or seven years to do three stands last time around. Uh, it's now four stands. And we're going to do stand by stand. So this is a long time lag unless... They try and do it quickly, but as JK says, they've not even put planning permission in yet. Uh, I had a beer with Hugh Rosen, who was involved 
with the uh, before the Salisbury game. I'll try and attack you up, see if he knew anything. Had he been engaged? No, he hadn't. So he was he was none the wiser about what the new administration plans are. From conversation I've had, um, I'm not I wouldn't call it bowling world. I think that'd probably be a little bit you know un, unfair to the new owners. But I think the the game player in all of this will be Oswald Stoll because they want to develop their site. Now, if Chelsea have any sense whatsoever, whatever the price, never mind buying Ronaldo for silly money in the new year, Chelsea should be front and centre to perhaps buy the Oswald Stoll site if it does get sold, because I, I think they have put it out to consultation, because they then redevelop that site as part of a ground expansion potentially, and that goes behind into Fulham Broadway Station. And if their other plan, which I've been told on more than one occasion, is to remove everything on the Stamford Bridge site other than a football ground. So there'll be no hotels, no flats, no mega stores, no museum, gyms, all that, um, and relocate it somewhere outside on the Fulham Road. And a potential site, yeah, if you had any, you'd buy Fulham Broadway Station Shopping Centre. I've said this before. You get off the train and then your Chelsea experience begins. You'll have your ticket offices there. You'll have your restaurants there. You'll have your bars there. You'll have the museum there. You could have the health club there and any other associated expanded brands that Chelsea want to do. So the journey begins. And that does sound a bit like Disney World, I accept. You know, the journey begins once they get off the train. Bowling that, World, mate. <laughs> that, I think, is part of the potential vision. But that strip of land you know, has always been key. And also the strip of land behind the Matthew Harding down to Fulham Broadway Station, which no one ever bought, Roman never did, Bates never did. Because part of the problem with Chelsea's site is in the event of a major emergency, you've got to evacuate the stadium, I think, in about nine or ten minutes. And that's the real challenge. And the East End is the biggest problem of all. Trying to get You can get people out of the West relatively quickly and the Matthew Harding. But that East upper tier now is a brilliant design sort of like 40-odd years ago, but now it's not fit for purpose. And I'm not even sure how feasible, although it is the right thing to do, to build it over the railway line. Because there is a small matter still, that that is this, or is it the Brighton to Milton Keynes line? But that's where the nuclear waste train goes through, still, as far as I'm aware. So you've got that challenge as well. Um, a better option might be, you need to rebuild the East End. I don't know how feasible would it be, could you build a bridge into West Brompton Cemetery, for example? That might help. But I'd agree with you, Chid. No way in God's green earth is Wembley going to happen. Much as I'd, I'd be fine with it because I can walk there because I live there, it just wouldn't work for Chelsea fans full stop. Um, it might be fine when we're playing a Champions League game against a, an AC Milan, but I, I don't think it would work on a Tuesday evening in the Carabao Cup at home to Burnley, for example, or Stoke City. Yeah. yeah. So when, Wembley's a non-start for me. And I don't have a problem with the restricted capacity if we're playing in front of 30,000, um, the difficult will be how they would do the ticket allocation. That will be an absolute minefield. Well, it will, because whichever stand... I mean, I, I can't remember the break. Can you remember the breakdowns of each stand? Oh, each stand used to be about 12,000. Um, Matthew Harding or Shed, one of them was 6,000. Um, I think that'll be West, the Shed. The Shed will be... Yeah, the, I think that's the Shed. Yeah, yeah the Shed, yeah, because the Shed was going to have three tiers on it. And then Ken took a tear off to build the bloody flats in the hotel. So the East End, you know, sorry, the Shed was originally going to have nine. So Matthew Harding, I think, has got nine. Shed's got about six. That's 15. Um, 
East End about 12, 27, and the West is about 13, 14,000, because it's about 41,000 capacity now, because I think we've lost about 300 seats collectively through safe standing. Yeah. 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 And we've got, what, 25, about 25,000 season ticket holders now? So, I mean, actually, yeah, okay. So we've got 25,000 season ticket holders. Is that including corporates? That's not including corporates, is it? Uh, or is it? Let me think. Let me think. 3,000 away fans, 25,000 season ticket holders. No, that doesn't include corporate. Because the average average match day now, there's only about five or 6,000 tickets so you're, you're paying member. Yeah. So the rest is corporate. Well, I'm now. just thinking, you know, if the biggest stand we've got is 12,000, that takes it down to 28. Mm. So feasibly you could get all of your season ticket holders in there but not the corporates sorry jk oh well if you do the shed first and you go back to bates's original plans which he scuffered but i remember meeting with bates and showed me he showed me the little model stadium probably somewhere in the archives of stanford bridge somewhere there was originally a third tier so what you could do is if you knock the shed down first with its six thousand seats and it almost would have to try and mirror like Tottenham's new stadium. They were half building it old and new. And would you sort of build that first and maybe put make that as a nine thousand start uh, sort of end, for example? So then, if that's built first, you've got an extra three thousand seats. So if you go west or east and lose space there, you've got an extra three thousand to play with the shed. Although that, of course, is presupposing that they're just building up on what they've got. And actually, you, they could do a Tottenham. They could actually move the pitch round, yep. you know, buy the Oswald stall, move the pitch yeah. round and start building from that end. Yeah, yeah. So and that, and that's the whole point of just only having a stadium on that site to make it work. Yeah. Well, we will see. We can't. There's another. I, I love the fact that you lot have all asked us questions tonight that none of us can really answer. I think that's quite genius of you. Let's see. Let's see if you can continue in that vein, Laws. All right. So, being one of the uh, legacy group chits, I have a question for you guys that has been going through my mind, partially because of the fifty years of Chelsea. Um, like Theo was, uh, it was COVID. It really. I, I think I'm about three years as well now. But here's my question: ignoring Roman's time in charge. Who is the greatest British player to ever wear a Chelsea shirt? Oh, a pre pre Roman, pre Roman, pre Roman, Pat, ne- Pat Nevin. Yeah, I would say Kerry, but I'm biased. But Pat would be okay for me. Depends on what criteria you do it on, doesn't it? Really, Loz. But I'm just I'm, I'm having a great laugh at J.K. with that picture of Jimmy Greaves behind him at this oh, point. Oh, bloody hell! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. Do you know what? Lo- yeah, it's got to be Jimmy Greaves, hasn't it? Although Jimmy only played for us for a short time, and da 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 da. I I only saw Jimmy Greaves play in a testimony in 1980. Yeah, so I never saw him in his prime. I, I wasn't born then. Yeah, I think. So look, I, Sorry, go on, Mark. Go on. Yeah, I've gone on the basis of who I saw playing. It's Pat Nevin all day long for me. I think inevitably, you know, age, experience, personal bias is going to come into it. I mean, if you if you got me very drunk and locked me in a cupboard for an hour, I'd come out saying Kerry Dixon, mate, all day long for me. I would say Hullet. British player. British. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Listen to the question, Jake. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the greatest player. Um, um, Barry Bridges. No, 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 no. 
Bert Murray. No, no, no. Um, lovely, lovely man, Bert Murray, by the way. Isn't it? Is, 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 is it his birthday today? Is it? I think it, I think it is. Yeah, we, we met him at Tim Roll's book launch over in Ascot. Oh, really, oh. really, really nice man, Bert Murray. So I've got, in terms of my memorabilia, I've got the Inter Milan away shirt. And I've got seven of that squad signed, including Tommy Doherty. And Bert Murray signed the shirt. And like just talking to him about his time there. Really lovely guys, Bert Murray. He was the first sub, wasn't he, ever? There was a programme picture of him with 12 on the back, which was taken. Um, but um, he uh, he had a season of playing all the time and then was, was relegated a bit after that. Didn't quite play enough. But uh, he was one of my favourite players at that, of that period. Um, British player, yeah, probably Greaves, I think, for the short period. It's just the fact that he would... I, I remember, bizarrely, I was so little, but I remember the bloke in front of me who said, saying, uh, what's Greaves done in this match? Nothing. He doesn't do anything. He just wanders about. And he got a hat-trick. And he, and, and he, he hadn't done anything at all other than just get the ball in the penalty <laughs> and, and score every time. You know, you just, you thought... And, he, and then he, at the end, he said, what's he done apart from scoring the three goals? He's done nothing. He doesn't do anything, does he? He was just, he just had this eye for goal that was ah, quite phenomenal. Just, he'd swivel around it and be in the top right-hand corner, away from the goalkeeper. Just absolutely brilliant. Brilliant player. I think that's a pretty good that's a pretty good selection actually. Pat Nevin, we well, I mean there you go. The, the bias that I was talking about Loz, is you know JK's first experience of football watching Jimmy Greaves play. My, neither Mark and I were old enough to see him play. Huge regret of mine. Mark and I both going for players in the 80s, you know, it's Yeah, well, see an interesting none of you pick mine because for me it's Butch all day long. Really? See, that's not yeah, a bad he, shout. That's not a that's bad a shout. Good shout. That's yeah. a good shout. That's a good shout. I was there when I was there when yeah. he came into the team, took the team by the scruff of the neck, and was Mr. Chelsea for so many years. And of course, then went on to a great career at United, England, Italy, etc. So to me, it's Butch. And you're right, Chidge, it's because of when I started watching him. Yeah, yeah. But that that is actually a really good shout because I think maybe that's the point. I mean, it's like Greavesy. You know, I said, well, but he didn't play for us that long, you know. But actually, you look what he went on to do. And, you know, when he died, I mean, he was being hailed as one of the greatest players of all time from this country. So that that has to be taken into account. And I think, I mean, I don't think Ray hit those heights, but you look at his career as a whole, as a, as a complete whole, you'd ha- you, you could make a, ca- a much better case for it being Ray than maybe that me and Mark are making for Kerry and Pat. So I think that's a really, really good question. No, it's good. Ray would be my number two. Yeah, the 76-77 season, he was just remarkable. Oh. Yeah, he, he, yeah, and I know there's a question later, I think Kendall's asked a question, you know, about sort of like, you know, times when he really turned turmoil, turmoil round into success. And that's 76, oh, well, as you know, as JK might say, there's a book about that. I've, <laughs> I've been involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that 76-70 season, Ray Wilkins was absolutely a leader on and off the pitch. Yeah, and again, as you know, we both know him and a remarkable man as well. well. He's he's one of the greatest. One of my no. favorite, I mean, no. of all the people I've met and got to know quite well through Chelsea. You know, I mean, I love Kerry, but Ray was something else. Ray yeah. was just something. I mean, a, a finer human being you will not ever meet than Ray Wilkins. It's that simple. Yeah. So there you yeah, go. Absolutely. Doz, what a brilliant question. Um, right, I think last question for you, Theo. No pressure having him follow that, really, isn't it? <laughs> um, 
I was going to ask about Lukaku, but I don't think anyone wants to talk about him, and I don't. So, uh, I, don't, I don't mind briefly don't, talking about no, him. I, I don't mind. I don't mind, Sia. Yeah. Because they were, um, he apparently has made another statement about what not wanting to come anywhere near Chelsea again. Which um, oh really? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I heard that. Um, I heard that Inter Milan wanted to extend his loan, and I thought either he's playing well at Inter and they want him to actually stay. Or they're trying to be smart and realise that Todd Bowley's a bit of a unpredictable sod and wants to make the most out of squeezing a bit more money out of him. So, well, there was a weird but, thing yeah. of saying that they could, they wanted to to buy out his contract for seven million, which didn't make any sense. But I suppose it means that they yeah. then they is, get is rid he of worth his, that much. But they get rid of his wages though, don't they? <laughs> off the uh, the setup. So perhaps that's <laughs> that's the deal. <laughs> But but yeah, well, I tell yeah, you yes, what, I tell I you know. what, I just been injured recently because they've got um Jekko playing centre yeah. forward. I tell you what, uh, I can a bit of a, a kind of tease for uh, when are we back? So, when have we got Milan? When have we got Milan? Is it October uh, the 5th? 5th of October, right? Yeah, okay. So, on our first kind of like proper, no, because we'll do, we'll do for next Friday, won't we? So Okay, on the Monday the uh, 3rd, that show, we will find an answer to that because we're going to have uh, one of my oldest friends in football on the show who he was, in fact, the first person to be on the Chelsea fan cast of me and Dr. Mart in 2008. It is none other than Sheridan Shezza Bird, who is now uh, a journalist, a football writer and football commentator in Italy covering Serie A. So he's going to come on and, and like, like kind of do an opposition view, but not for the Milan match. And we can ask him about uh, what's going on with Lukaku and into then. We'll, we'll probably get, you know, far more accurate report than we'll get over here. So that so there you go. Don't forget to tune into that one, folks. So, Theo, what's your what's your real question? Um, I remember in the last fan cast, it's, it's more of a discussion topic. You guys were wondering what the Australian media perspective was on Chelsea, given that the British media is biased against Chelsea and Rob, Rob, I don't know if you might be able to help me out with this, but it's not the same here at all. Like when I was growing up, when, um, when Robin first bought Chelsea, there was a lot of like, Oh, you're only a Chelsea fan because now they're rich and they're going to win everything. But that disappeared fairly quickly. And in terms of the Australian media, it's like, we watch Optus sport to, to get all the EPL. Right. So um yeah everyone i feel like they always have their you know they have michael owen on there they have um yeah all sorts of ex-players and they have their own biases um but they even have chelsea supporters but like with optus sport we get people like mark schwarzer who loves chelsea yeah. they get michael bridges who loves leeds and tottenham so they, they have their own biases and then when when i hear the fan cast and all the horrible british media things against Chelsea. I'm just like, no, nah, it's not like that here. I don't, also got I don't Mark see Bosnich. that. Bozzy's there as too, isn't he? Yeah, but he's a dickhead. So well, he is. <laughs> we used to... Because he, he was great for a small, short He was, period, wasn't but... he? Well, he was a bit like his, like his, uh, his uh, should we say, his um, recreational habits. You know, it was, it was very powerful and instant, but very short-lived. Yes, those who know, know what I'm talking about. But we used to call him Arsich, Theo. <laughs> For some reason, we used to think it was very funny to call him Arsic when he played for us. 
Um, yeah. Why is that? Well, I mean, I think it's the same answer as everything, isn't it? You know, or, or, as we always give. I think because Chelsea are... There is a football establishment in this country, Theo, which will, which is undoubtedly unlike anywhere else in the world, which all goes back to the fact that we invented the game and start in all of that kind of stuff. And Chelsea are not part of that establishment and never really have been. We've always been on the outside, you know. Even even I mean, you know, we were formed a lot later than a lot a lot of other clubs by about thirty years, which is quite a t- period of time if you think about it. So we've always been a bit on the outside. We've always been seen as not serious. But if you go back to the kind of the twenties and the thirties, you know, music. We were we were the butt of musical jokes in the in the twenties and the thirties. We never won anything, even though we were a big club in London. All of this kind of stuff. So we've never been part of the establishment, and the establishment uh, are are clubs like uh, you won't be surprised to hear Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs. You know, and therefore most journalists. I think, view football through that lens. And then Roman turns up and blows it all out of the water. And there's a lot of resentment about that. You know, people don't like change. As a psychotherapist, I can tell you that. People don't like change and they don't like (laughs) uncertainty. And when Chelsea blew it all out of the water, that's what happened and that's what it represented. So, And then there's the whole, well, they cheated, didn't they? Because, you know, basically they bought it. Forgetting conveniently... Every fucking successful club in this country has bought the title, especially Arsenal, who did it corruptly in the twenties with that Henry Dickhead Nobbs, whatever his name was. His name Mark Henry oh, Norris. 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 Yeah. That was it. Yeah. He yeah. was a crook, proven yeah. to be a crook. But they seem to they forget they that should have, they should have been relegated. Yeah. Yeah, they cheated Tottenham out of the league, although that was funny. But uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, so yeah, they conveniently forget that. You won't get that in Australia. Or you won't get that in the States because, um, you know, with due respect, I think football and football culture and football history for them starts really with the Premier League and actually possibly even later than that. So suddenly when they approach the game and they see the game, for them, Chelsea are very much part of the establishment. We're like, because we're, we're winning stuff. We're always in the top five. You know, they don't see all the backstory that the journalists in this country cannot and will not get out of their head. I don't. I hope that answers that well, yeah, chaps. It's a it's a double standard. Like, yeah, how how can you say that uh, that Chelsea's not part of the establishment when yeah every probably except for Leicester every every club that's won the EPL in the last twenty years has done it with a with a cash injection. So yeah, here here if they report that, then it's a double standard, and I I think that'd get pointed out fairly quickly, and I just don't see why. Yeah, I, how old are your journalists over there? They, you know, they're seventy-year-old journalists running around with all these. No, they're not. But a lot of them are, are kind of my age. They're getting a bit younger now, obviously, because I'm getting older. But you know, a lot of them got into football in the seventies and the eighties, which means that they they that's why that's why a lot of them are a closet Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, Spurs supporters. What you are going to see in ten, fifteen years' time, though is a lot of football journalists are going to be Chelsea supporters and then it will ch- it will change. I promise you this. I probably won't be around to see it, but it, I, I promise you now you'll see it change. It's already beginning to change in in the football punditry world. I mean, I was sneakily having a quick look at the England match before starting the show, Channel 4's coverage. Joe Cole was their main football pundit. Elia Luku, Nuku, whatever her name is, is the other one. Both Chelsea. Who was the, who was the co-coms? Graham Lasso. 
So it's already changing in the in the TV world, and it will also change in the in the written press world. I, I have no doubt of that because it seems to be coming down to competence rather than allegiance. Well, yes, but the allegiance. I mean, you know, if you're a good journalist, frankly, the allegiance shouldn't come into it. I meant in the commentator world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the written world, your allegiance needs to be. I mean, look, Henry Winter, who well, he's gone a bit weird in the last kind of year, but. Hitherto, everybody would say that Henry Winter was the benchmark for football writing in this country. Football's a lifelong uh, football. Henry's a lifelong Liverpool fan, but you, you, he, he's he's incredibly fair-minded and he gets football. I mean, we've had him at the trust uh, for AGMs and things, and he speaks very eloquently, obviously. But he, he can, you know, I've heard Henry speak with really real understanding of Chelsea and its culture and the supporters' culture. So he gets football. So you can you can you know have a football allegiance, but actually still be professional about it. And many of them do try that. And I just think that uh, if you look at the you know we said it earlier with with Theo, didn't we? You look at the number of uh, people who do Chelsea podcasts, the number of people who write on Chelsea. I mean, we are now up there. I think in terms of that kind of uh, presence as, as as clubs like the traditional you know big clubs, Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, Spurs. So that is going to make a difference. All these young kids growing up don't know the history that we know. So they're coming into it, as I said, as Chelsea really being part of the establishment now. So there you go. Right. Um, I think we're going to have a break uh, after I've done these next two plugs. And then uh, the, uh, the, obviously the star attraction of the Chelsea fancast will be JK reading some emails. But before we do that, uh, as I said, I've got a couple of plugs, the usual ones really. Um, Basically, uh, yeah, this is quite important, actually, Chelsea pitch owners. I mean, that's a good question, actually, for you guys. I mean, I know you've got a Chelsea pitch owner's share, Bob. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I bought it, played it in, in instalments, so, uh, God, in the 90s. So. There you go. You had yours before me. Lars, you got a CPO share? Sitting next to me with Eden Hazard's signature on it. There we go. Theo? No, I'd love to no. get one, though. Well, there you go. Well, do you know what? This is how you do it. You see, that's a be- beautiful segue. Yeah, it's a very essential thing to have. And as I said, particularly at a time of change, new owners, potentially new stadium, because what the CPO does, the Chelsea Pitch Owners Shed does, is it protects the ground, the name of the club, and football being played at Stamford Bridge, which, of course, is where it has to be played because that is our home, spiritually and literally. Um, and there are a lot of shareholders. Uh, and we, we are, Apart from Theo, we're all shareholders. Uh, some of us have got more than one, like me. Uh, anyway, if you want to get one, the cheapest way in is to is to get one for about 100 quid or so. It's it's about 100 quid. And that's an electronic share. You can go all the way up and get the kind of top top of the range one, which is a signed and framed one, uh, and, and gets presented on the pitch as well. But uh, the easiest thing to do is to go to uh, the Chelsea FC official website and search for the Chelsea pitch owners, and you can find out how to get to share there and buy one there as well, in fact. Uh, Right, the other thing, the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Uh, As it happens, tomorrow at 2pm in the afternoon, the Chelsea Supporters Trust has got their AGM. Uh, Both Mark and I will be there, um, as will quite a lot of other people too. I think it's also on Zoom, so if you're a member from overseas, don't worry, you can dial into that and find out what's going on. But it's our kind of... It's our annual general meeting, obviously, but it's the one chance of the year we get to tell everybody what we've been up to for the year. This year, of course, has been a rather uh, busy one, thanks to the sanctions and the change of ownership. So there'll be a lot on that and a lot about what we plan to do going forward. And then after the AGM, 
we start our election process and uh, you will be able to vote for a new board. Uh, and uh, I hope you get on and do that. I can't say anything more about that because I get into trouble. It's a bit like the BBC in election time, right? If you're standing for the election then you can't talk about it. It's like Fight Club, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, if you want to join the CST, and why, why wouldn't you? It's only five quid a year. Uh, you get a nice shiny badge as well, which is very nice. And you do get to have an input in, in what you want in terms of your voice and, and how that gets heard by the club. So, uh, you know, ticket prices, kickoff times, away allocations, the European Super League, all, of that, all the really important stuff for people who get to go to the matches. And, of course, interestingly enough, because these three don't, because they're all, you know, living thousands of miles away. And yeah, I know them all. And all of them, funnily enough, have very similar views to people who do go to matches. How weird is that? Who would have thought that, eh? Strange. So there oh. you go. Uh, now, actually, I shall leave you with that very interesting thought, philosophical thought. And then we'll come back. And as I said, we're going to have uh, some emails for JK and me to read out. We'll see you in a minute. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast Part 3. Uh, so there we go. We're on the home straight in a way. And uh, as these guys who have joined us, who are, of course, Bob, Bobby D, Robert Delcini, Los Barnes and Theo. Sorry, Theo, I've got no chance with your surname. You know that. So it'll just be Theo. 
uh, have joined us for a Q&A, but they know, they know that at some particular point in the show, we read emails out, and they know this how? Because they have written in emails to the show before. So there you go, quite frequently in some cases. And the first one, JK, is an absolute doozy from our old mate Keith Burton. <laughs> he says... Hi, Susanna's actor friend. <laughs> and friends of Susanna's actor friend. That would be us. That'd be us. Thank you very much, Keith. <coughs> Excuse me. You might remember I wrote at the end of last season explaining why I believe Todd Bowley is a suitable custodian of this club. Ownership of a successful baseball team would have equipped him with the understanding necessary to run a successful association football team. That's what I was saying earlier. The Dodgers were formed in 1883, excuse me, which is 42 years before Chelsea and a decade before Liverpool. Major League Baseball is the oldest sports league in the world, having been formed more than a decade before the Football League. Many of the grounds are steeped in just as much history as our football grounds. This man understands sporting tradition and the sanctity of those traditions among fans. However, respect for tradition should not mean things can't evolve or improve. When Todd Bowley talks about Chelsea being even more successful, I think I understand what he means. Consider the amount of money we've spent since 2004. Should we not have established ourselves as City have done? City are perennial favourites for the title and only a historically good Liverpool team gets anywhere near them. For the amount of money we've spent, that should be us. Yes, we've won the Champions League twice and five titles, but we've then fallen away rather than maintain our momentum, which is what I was saying earlier. Teams that maintain that level of success are called dynasties in US sport, and that's what Bowley wants to do here. Agree completely. Expect us to see us develop very close relationships with lower-level clubs in other leagues in Europe, and perhaps an MLS team in the US, which is what City have done. Baseball makes use of this so-called farm system, and we will do the same, I believe. Young players would leave our academy, then move through our farm clubs rather than be loaned out. At those clubs, we would install a coaching tree that would ensure those young players are coached to play the kind of football Chelsea plays. What we were saying about, um, 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 what's his face earlier? My mind's gone blank. Um, our little Scottish player. Who, Billy Gilmore. Uh, Gilmore, yeah. Those teams would also be good breeding grounds for talented young coaches. If Tuchel wasn't the man to help build that extended coaching system, then he's not right for the club as it is now. There's a nasty whiff of bigotry bordering on racism among some coming from some pundits. They seem to believe this hugely successful businessman who already owns two of the biggest and most successful sports team teams in the world doesn't understand football well Todd Bowley is a man who learns quickly doesn't second guess his own instincts and has no trouble making decisions there'll be there'll be some a degree of clutching at pearls from some low rent analysts and observers but the bottom line is this club and this league will both benefit from having Todd Bowley involved Keith Burton that bloke from Oakley who documented the involvement of Peter Hausman in our village football scene. Yes, remember that. Well done, Keith. Yeah. Terrific, terrific mail. Remember yeah. that well, yeah. 
It's a good email, that. It's really well yeah. thought through, well, actually. E echoing, echoing my sentiments entirely. And mine, I think. And mine. Now, now. now yeah, now, yeah, yeah, now. I've come round to that, that view. I mean, I, I, I'm going to stand by this, though. And I mean, I, I'm not having it that just because you know about American sports means you know about football. I'm sorry, you know. I know, I know fuck all about American football or baseball. Why would I? I'm not American. Well, I think he'll appoint somebody who does so. I think you're right about the uh, the sporting director. I think that'll be what will happen. And that's fine. He'll still, he'll still want to be involved, though, because yeah. that's that's one of the reasons he fell out with Ducal. But, I mean, I don't know whether I'm being xenophobic or not, but I think a lot of the perceived xenophobia is is, is being defensive about the fact that, you know, those have been watching football in this country since they were, like, you know, five years old and have grown up with it probably know a little bit more about the culture than somebody who hasn't i mean and i know that for a fact this is this is this is the ethos of the fan cast we have people who listen from all around the world because they want to understand the culture of the game here and that's what they get i'm not saying they don't know anything about football or anything like that but they're, they're it, it, it's the cultural nuances i think and that, i can't i'm not buying into the fact that he knows that i'm just not but I'd back him as a businessman to hire the right people to do that. And that's exactly kind of what we were saying. Anyway, anybody else want to chip in with that one? Anybody well, want to chip in at my latent xenophobia? I think just briefly, I think the Super League just proves there's a lot of um, club chairmen out there that have got no idea about the culture of the game because the demonstrations just proved that they uh, were left with their uh, pants down, really. Yeah, that's a... A very good point, Mr. Mr. Delcini. Um, right, I got a, a, a small one here and a small email. Ha, ah, bit you'll do it. Uh, anyway, Daryl, <laughs> JK almost laughed then. Well, this is from our, our old mucker, Daryl Middleditch, who, is, as uh, Robbie and uh, Laws and Theo know, is a, a mainstay of the Discord group. He would have been joining us tonight, but he, as he says, he says, bugger, another date I can't make along with the evening with Mr. Dixon. I'm turning into the plastic of the fancast listeners. Uh, he then goes and say, on the off chance you guys have a question from Muppets that couldn't make it section, he says, do you have a favourite band or bands or a first gig, well, a favourite band's first gig you wish you'd seen or a band you'd wish you'd seen live but never did? Cheers in advance. Have a great night. But it's got to be Mark first up for this. <laughs> I think you know the answer. Uh, favourite band of all time, uh, Tim Lizzie. Um uh, and actually, I'll, I'll give a plug because um, I went to a gig the other night, a band called Grand Slam. Uh, and if you know your music history, the guitarist of Grand Slam, a guy called Lawrence Archer, um, was in Grand Slam, the first version with Phil Lynott. And most of the set they played the other night were Phil Lynott written songs. And like this guy has been desperately unlucky as a guitarist. You know, he teams up with Phil Lynott, Phil Lynott dies. He gets the UFO gig and they bring Schenker back. He then gets a worldwide record deal for this band Grand Slam. And then COVID happens. You know, oh, US support. God. Yeah, the guy really like so I saw him the other world like and if you like Is he related Lizzie, to Bobby D? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he really he's got Bobby's bad luck, I tell you. But if you like Sing Lizzie, I, I, I tell people listen listen to Grand Slam. It's they're a really good band. Like I, I wish them every success going forward. So they're my favourite band. First gig I probably would have loved to have seen or banned. I never saw the Sex Pistols. So I think I'd love to have seen the Pistols. Never saw Zeppelin. Never saw Zeppelin. And actually, two bands I saw their first ever English gig were Metallica 
and Guns N' Roses. I saw both of their first gigs at the Marquee. Metallica only played to a sort of small group of people. And I didn't rate either of them. And then within a year, they were both playing stadiums. So it shows what I know about music. Yeah, good. Good answer, Mark. Knew you re- could rely on you, Mr. Kidd. Um, well, one of my favourite bands is Free with uh, Paul Rogers as the singer. And uh, I was very lucky to see them live um, in a, um, a BBC um, uh, in concert programme at um, the Small Theatre in Regent Street. And I was in the front row. And uh, the joy of seeing Paul Kossoff, um, uh, every single note was etched on his face and wandering up to the amp. This was prior to his unfortunate um, demise from a a drug overdose. And um, Paul Rogers, one of the greatest voices, he has got one of the greatest rock soul voices in the the world and a completely brilliant, brilliant. um, Also, the songs were great as well that they, they played. The... The album um, Fire and Water has got one of the great tracks on it, Mr. Big. And there's another track called Woman, which is on the, uh, it's just the eponymous, it was just called Free, the period of the the naked woman vaulting over the the album cover with um, stars on her. And they were my great love. Um, I went to see Black Sabbath, I remember, at uh, the Festival Hall, which was uh, very entertaining as well. uh, but I'd love to have seen, uh, I didn't see Led Zeppelin. I don't know how I, I missed them because I bought all the albums. Um, but uh, rather than a band, um, uh, Joni Mitchell, I'd love to have seen as well, completely. Phenomenal artiste and all her albums are brilliant. Um, I was very lucky to see John Martin. I'm sorry, we've gone off to individuals now, but they're my favourite people. John Martin on several occasions and got his autograph and I have a poster with it signed, which is on my wall. And he was absolutely phenomenal and uh, but unfortunately had frequently taken too many drugs and I remember um, uh, seeing him at a gig where uh, uh, he said um, he said something like there's too much um, he was Scots but at this period he was being sort of from New Malden he said, there's too much uh, <laughs> there's too much uh, evil in the world we've got to do something about it and this bloke next to me shouted out boring and he went who the fuck said that I don't fucking get you and he wandered off the stage and walked down vaguely into the area, not knowing where anybody was who said it. The guy next to me had said it. It was wearing, a, I'll tell you the era, a leather hat and a very large over, um, um, military overcoat, um, sort of sort of hiding away slightly so he wouldn't be punched. But there was no problem, he wouldn't be. And Danny Thompson, the, the bass player, then said, oh, John, I think you better come back and finish the set. And he went, oh, OK, then I will. And he came back and then played absolutely wonderfully with his his Echoplex machine that he was playing. So he would just delay all the notes and play off the back of his of the echo that was there. Completely um, astounding music from one man and a, and a guitar with uh, with with his uh, Danny Thompson with his bass. Um, but uh, that's very much the era that I enjoyed watching. Um, and having said that, though, I have very eclectic taste. I've, remember seeing Jethro Tull on several occasions, saw the whole of Thick as a Brick at the Royal Albert Hall, and they were wonderful. I thought I thought Ian Anderson was a completely brilliant showman and great player. Loved them. Um, J- J- JK, on the subject of free, did you know there's a free bad company tribute band? I didn't know. No, they're called Free's Company. <laughs> Clever. Clever. And they're playing. They're playing tonight in Rice Hi. Oh, I'll look yes. them up. Yeah. I'll look them up. I... 
I, I, I thought that some of the songs they wrote were completely phenomenal, very oh. blues based, obviously. Oh, no. but, um, I'm trying to think um, who else. Uh, oh, um, uh, um, Roxy Music were wonderful. Um, you see uh, that? I, I saw them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, saw them a lot. I saw the Beach Boys. Thought they were wonderful as well. Um, um, early, early Beach Boys. Um, good vibrations with these. What playing the Theradyne, whatever it was, that thing he was playing. Um, so you've started me here. Shall I shut no, up? No, I think we'll, 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 this will be like a four-hour show with Joe it Kelly's be, musical memories. Just, no. I mean, it's not fair, mate. You've been around longer than us, so there's there's more I bands. Can't, I know. I can't help having long. Did you Did you see the Beatles? Uh, no, saw the Stones, saw yeah. Stones several times, but even early Stones saw them. Yeah. I was, I saw, was always bemused at how um, so many wonderful guitarists came from uh, from Surrey. I remember seeing Jeff Beck? He came yeah. from Surrey as well. I couldn't, I can't understand that. And um, uh, no, I couldn't get tickets for the Beatles. No. I couldn't get because I thought you might have done because you were old enough, and I know I you was, loved I was. them. I, I, know they you loved them. At, I think they were on at the Odeon House with Odeon, as yeah. it was. I couldn't, yeah. I, no, I couldn't get tickets. I saw, um, I saw Bowie in um, a place called Les Abattoirs in Paris. And he was his thin white duke period. Oh, man, alive. And, um, Seriously, I am doing, fucking he jealous. Was doing, he was doing station to station. Oh, fuck and, um, off. And, uh, and he was do- he did a mime. He mimed his heart, his heart like that. And he, and he did that on as if it was beating. And then he threw it into the audience. And the git behind me dived for it. <laughs> we were all standing on our chairs. Knocked me off my chair. And I remember saying to him, oh, vous êtes complètement con, I remember saying to him, and um, for doing that, he knocked me off. But, um, uh, uh, yeah, he was wonderful. Wonderful. Bowie was wonderful. But to see, I, I would have killed to oh. see the Station to Station. Oh, oh wow, what an out. album. What an album. Yeah. All great. But All right, enough, 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 enough. Because I'll just get more angry and jealous at some yeah, things. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. Because actually that would have been on my list. Uh, not not that particular tour, although that would have done. I mean, I... I just stu- I had the chance to go and see Bowie about three times, and I never ever took it up, which I absolutely regret. Um, I no. that would have been the serious Moonlight tour. I think was the first chance I had to go, but there were others too. The, uh, there's another band that got away as well, actually, the Stranglers. I had I've actually I've had tickets to see the Stranglers maybe three times back in the day, and I never made it. And then I've ended up never seeing them. And then, you know, I, I don't... I mean, I know that the bloke who sings with them now has been there longer than Hugh Cornwall, but I'm talking Hugh Cornwall-era Stranglers. But uh, favourite band, well, kind of combines with, you know, I, I think the first gig, I one of the first... One of the first gigs, not the first gig. I went to see Rush in about 1980 in Southampton, Gaumont. And, the, and I've stayed with them ever since and seen them just so many times until they kind of retired. Uh, and they're one of my favourite bands. The Clash remain one of my favourite bands. Yes, I, I couldn't get into that. I couldn't. Uh... Well, this is not. This is my turn. We've had your turn. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I just, just can I briefly say Genesis? Of course. No, you can't. They're banned. Well, no, 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 Genesis are banned. No, no. Banned. They're not even even worse than mentioning Ronaldo Lukaku. You never okay. ever mention Genesis. Genesis. Early. You early. never mention Genesis on the Chelsea. Peter Gabriel. Ever. No, and not not, not and even not... Gabriel. And not in Tim Roll's company either. Don't ever mention Phil Collins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You'll set Tim <laughs> off. Anyway. I've got those albums. I went to see him. I really well, I, like I, them. I don't care. Anyway, so, yeah, favourite bands. One of them is Rush, obviously. The Clash, who I was lucky enough to see a couple of times, but not really when I wanted to, which would, would have been in about 77, 78. I was just a weenie bit too young. 
Uh, but they've remained one of my favourite bands. And of course, everybody knows this. Killing Joke, I, I still absolutely adore now and loved back at the time. But uh, yeah, so Rush, one of the first gigs I went to see. Rolling Stones at Wembley on their Still Life tour. I think it was Still Life, wasn't it? That, you know, Start Me Up, all that. Yeah, they played with Black great, Uhuru. Great track. Great track. It was about 1981, 82, around then. I went to Wembley to see that. Black Uhuru were back in them, which was brilliant. So I was very lucky at quite a young age good doing all of that. But yeah, so Stranglers I missed. Bowie I didn't get to see. And I'm really pissed off about that. I think the only other band that I really wish I'd got to see uh, and never did would have been, I think Joy Division, actually, I would put up there because they were a, a star that shone very brightly for a very short time because Ian Curtis died. Uh, but I really wish I'd seen them. Uh, and I never got the chance. So there we go. And like JK, I could go on for about another hour doing this. So I'm not going to. So I'm going mean, to... Boys, quickly, do you want to like pitch in with anything? So for me, Chidge, favourite band was The Jam growing up when I did in the uh, 70s. Saw them. Um, saw them at the Marquee uh, Club. Yeah, I, just, I saw them at the 100 Club. So there you yeah. go. Um, and uh, I missed The Clash, so they're on my list of regrets. Um and the other one, which was an odd one, because I've got eclectic taste, but I actually have now done it, but it took a long, long time, was to see Kiss Life. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Like that. Theo, Bobby D. Well, I think uh, my favourite gig would have been Live Aid. Um, and just following on and just seeing Queen live after that concert as well when they uh, when they toured. And probably someone like ACDC or um, NXS. Um, would have been great. I know my sister saw in excess live at Wembley Stadium. Uh, I didn't go, and that was just an amazing concert. So. Excellent, excellent. They were a great band. Yeah, Theo. If you, you now you celebrate rifles, you've got to say to me, otherwise I'll never forgive you. Or oh, hunters and collectors. Sorry. That's an Australian <laughs> band. I won't say anything. I'll disappoint you then. Go on, no, I'm only pulling your leg. You, you're far away. <laughs> no, I'm glad Rob mentioned ACDC. I reckon they've got to be up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I never saw ACDC either. Actually, that's a. You've never seen ACDC? No, I never, you're no, kidding. No. I, I, again, oh, they were God. they were one that got away. I, I mean, yeah. I was at school. I was at school when they released Back in Black. And. Uh, and I and again I, I I had a ticket but I didn't fucking go which is criminal but I mean I you see I'm I'm like you Mark probably well I don't know I, I shouldn't presume but I'm much more of a Bon Scott ACDC fan than than post that I mean Black Back in Black gets in there because basically Bon Scott wrote it and I think that's why I never went to see them because I just thought well I don't really want to go and see them like that Bon Scott oh no, I, no I prefer the Bon Scott version but I've seen the Brian Johnson version several times um, but for me. Yeah, Power Age is probably ACDC's best album. Indeed. I got to mention Rory Gallagher. Oh, you see, I like Rory Gallagher, but yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Enough. Enough. You could do no. a musical, musical no, fan toss no. one evening. Well, we will do one evening, maybe. <laughs> not, not tonight, we won't. Mix right. it with some cricket. No, yeah, I, no. Right, Prashanth. Read Prashanth's email out, because this is a very good kind of question. The last two questions are really good. Uh, kind of uh, emails are good to kind of just wrap up the show, really. Prashant, my dear chap, what's your expectation? What's your expectation for this season? We're behind Arsenal at first, have 250 million in upgrading areas and players where Bowley thinks can be transferred over to Potter. 
and player where Bowley thinks can be transferred over to Potter. Does that make sense? Yeah, I kind of yeah, get what yeah, he means. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Jury's out once again. Don't know what. What can we say? We well, don't. What you, know. But what are your ex- expectations then? Hopes. Tenth. Tenth. Really? Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. I don't. I, I, he's got to get hold of it, isn't he? He's got to make it work. I don't know what. Um, Will he manage? I think they he will. They do something. I don't. I, I have no idea. At the moment, we appear to be. Um, it's the same every time. We can't. We just repeat the same things. We did the same thing the other day against um, against uh, Salzburg. Here's a question for you as a supplemental. Yeah. Why do half the team still play like we did under Sarri about three years after he went? Yeah. yeah. Right, and why, do, and why do half the team play under Tuchel when we weren't playing very well? No, but you know what I mean because you know we often moan about this pass, 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 pass backwards, pass backwards, slow possession football. Well, that that hang on, said, that but... hang on, that that started, and you and I know this because we moaned about it week after week after, or I at least at least I oh, moaned about did. it. I didn't yeah. as much. I know that's that's true and fair, but I moaned about it week after week after week after week after week. And I don't, and I'm surprised nobody's picked this up. And I said at the time, I said this is a manager who I think is absolutely on the bloody spectrum here. I think he's got ASD, and basically he's he thinks the players are all machines and robots, and he just it, they have to move in exactly the place he wants them to because of his condition. I'm sure of this, and uh, and it got into them, and it hasn't got out of them. Nobody's liberated them from that. Not even Frank. He liberated them from defensive responsibility. That was about all. I'm not, I'm not sure that's true at all, Chidge. Well, um, it's my idea. I'm not saying it's yeah, true. But I think I think you could actually say there were aspects of, of Sarri's vision that were uh, were actually before their time and that he was um, he was trying to get players to play a specific way, not to give the ball away, to be in control of the, the pitch and the spaces, which is what everybody seems to apply now from a tacti- tactical point of view. So I... I as we've established, one of the main things for putting the ball wide all the time, particularly Jorginho, who is was his player. Oh, so that, that was the link. Perhaps, yeah, I thought there was it, something I'd missed. Perhaps, Waiting yeah, perhaps, for Loz to help me out. Perhaps <laughs> it is ingrained. Perhaps it is ingrained in Jorginho. But this big thing of not giving the ball away by having a shot from the edge of the area, making sure you're in control of the, the environment so you don't then suffer from the the uh, the breakaway goal from the um, um, from you know the ball being booted up the pitch and somebody running after it. It's how Leicester beat everybody all the time. You just defend and then boot it up, which we suffered against Zagreb. Exactly that, not being able to then get through that. I just think teams have got better and better and better at playing that way. And what we seem to be more and more incompetent with dealing with it. I was trying to what see what what City's brilliance was with dealing with this, and they've got. Hey, the two creative midfielders, which we don't appear to have. There's the difference. But yeah, to, to answer your question, perhaps it's so ingrained in in Jorginho that he can't play any other way. But I think it's also Jorginho's major problem of being established. He's not quick enough, and he's not quick enough at dealing with with. He's not. He hasn't got the the same speed that a De Bruyne has, or a um, trying to think what other other midfield players are. Uh, top banana playing for City is the other one. Um, Silver, silver, you know, they're, they're completely brilliant. They're Fabregas-like, and that's what you need. I mean, somebody posted something rather superb up on on um, Twitter saying, um, um, 
what Chelsea player did we have that was as good as Fab- as Fabregas? No one. What what forward did we have as good as um, Drogba? No one. You know, it, it's some of these players were were would have walked into this team and 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 grabbed them by the scruff of the neck. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, I think Jorginho is the major culprit, but he is still nonetheless playing the way that Tuchel wanted him to play, which is not to make mistakes. They're trying not to shoot from the edge of the area, have it hit somebody's leg and bounce down, and then they're they're on the counter-attack. They're trying to avoid that. That's what they do. That's why they're so it's so ingrained in them to get the ball out to the wing. But the the problem with that is is that is that um it, it they then become in, incapable of shooting in the penalty area because it's it's drilled into them. I think this right. drilling aspect of it is really important, you know. Mark? Oh, I was going to say, in case Prasant is still listening, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll answer his question. <laughs> we went off uh, on one a bit then, didn't we, Mark? Yeah, we did, we did, yeah. But just well, in case Prasant... I didn't answer it at all, did I? No, but I said I didn't want to answer it, let's be fair. Uh, my expectation for the season, uh, two things, um, well, three, actually. Uh, one uh, expectation is that Potter should be given the chance. Two, we play better football at home on a more frequent basis than we have done. We've only had, fingers of one hand, really good home performances in the last 12 months. Tottenham, Juventus, for example. And three, expectation is to win the FA Cup. All right. Um I wasn't looking at that kind of expectation. Well, too, late. too late. Too late. Too late. Um. Hmm. My expectations. I think top four's in jeopardy. I just don't. I'm. I'm not convinced Potter's got enough to get his top four, especially now. You know, I mean, Liverpool are a bit dodgy. City bang on it. Spurs, Arsenal, much to my annoyance, are looking pretty good. Um. So I think top four might be tough, but I. I think we're good enough to be. You know, fifth, sixth, seventh. We've got good players, you know. That, nothing's changed there. We've got... I mean, I know what you were saying a minute ago, JK, but we've got good players. We've got better players than most of the other teams that we play. We could finish fourth, then. We might do. I'm not rolling it out. I'm just not expecting it, which is really what the question was. Um, but I think, you know, we've got better players than, than most of the other teams in that league. So, therefore, if Potter gets a tune out of them and, and, and is good enough himself, then we'll we'll do okay. And you never know. We might We might pick up a cup. Um, I think we're going to fall on our asses in the Champions League, and I fully expect that. But there you go. Right, um, I've got a brilliant doozy from Kenroy here because I'm going to I'm going to move along at a pace now because I want to go to bed. Uh, right, in the light of the despondent doom and gloom comments going around, not naming names, Mister Crowder. Oh, you, you how catty, Kenroy? Honestly, <laughs> can the panel take us through uh, a list of the turmoil and disaster times? Uh, this is what we want uh, in Chelsea's history that we've come through stronger than ever. I've come up with a short list. You can uh, he loves a short list, doesn't he, Conroy? Kenroy, he love he loves a bit of this. Right, uh, debt crisis. Ken Bates bought the club for a pound and started a revolution. In his no, head, he didn't. in his head, uh, <laughs> relegated in the eighties, won Division Two and rolled straight back up. Debt trouble in two thousand and two. In comes Roman. Uh, I don't know what he means by the Abraham, but there you go. Matthew Harding died. We win our first cup in 26 years. Came 10th in the league, won it the next year. Transfer ban, in comes Frank with his youth revolution. And then he goes, sanctions, question mark, question mark. Mark, you're our historian. Uh, only one for me, um, above all of those, 
the severe debt problems we had that we nearly went out of business in the 1970s. Yeah. Eddie McCready, yeah. yeah. And the Eddie McCready taking over and getting the team back to the first. I don't think any anything ever comes close to that. The only one to probably get close, and Ken Roy's made reference to it, is nearly going down to Division Three, winning at Bolton, and John Neal buying those players yeah, at the start of 83 4 season and coming back. Yeah, I don't think anything beats the 76 77 season. And Laws mentioned Ray Wilkins earlier. That Eddie McCready, Ray Wilkins double act for that season, you know, nothing gets close. That's one of the worst errors the club ever made was getting was was getting rid of McCready, wasn't it, Mark? I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and and, and it took 40 years to put it right and bring him back, and I'm glad we did. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very, very funny because you know, it's I'm, I I I I apologize to uh uh, the person that sent in the email, uh, because I'm gonna, I'll make sure we read. Th- there's an email that came in after the after the wire, but I will read it out on the next show we do, or the next Monday show we do. But um, it's quite an interesting segue because I was trying to define what Chelsea's culture was before um, before Roman, pre-Roman, for this CFC UK article. I'm about to plug the CFC UK, but uh, I described it as mercurial. Literally, because we've always been up and down like a yo-yo. And of course, Marco uses this wonderful phrase, glorious unpredictability, uh, which I think is also very apt. But we have an ability or we used to have an ability as a club, as a club more generally without winning much of shooting ourselves completely in the foot and snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. That was Chelsea's culture until Roman, a bit show busy, a bit glam, you know, a bit not too serious. And then Roman came in and changed the culture completely into a winning mentality, a winning machine. Uh, so you can change cultures, but uh, I think what I missed was what Kenroy's pointed out, which is we also have a history of being bang in trouble and then just come, coming straight back out of it and doing something really daft, like, you know, like winning stuff more recently. I mean, Matty Harding, as he said there, and, and, and winning Division 2 and coming straight back up. So... I think I think what Ken, Ken was trying to say, J.K., is there's hope. Is he trying to say we're going to win the league this year? I don't know if he's saying that, but no. I think he's saying don't be sour pusses and think it's all going to be doom and gloom. I don't think we've said that once. We're no, I don't think sad. he's saying to us to be sour pusses. I think he's just saying generally there's hope. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. I don't know. What do you think, boys? I, yeah, yeah, Ken Roy's right. Bobby. Good. Kimroy, just listen to the uh, podcast if you can find them when Scolari was in charge and we went on and won the Champions League. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then Rafa. Don't yeah. listen to that year because oh. I had a meltdown for a year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they were funny shows in hindsight, but there we go. Right, um, okay, I think we've got just about enough time to do a quick uh, review of the uh, the world-famous Prem, uh, the Chelsea Fancast Prem Predictions League. Uh, if I can find the bloody thing. Here we go. And here we go. Okay. Our leader after seven weeks is Tim McConnell. It's, it's, there's been a few, uh, you know, I know Tim's been, a le- I don't know how many weeks he's been leader for, but I think that it's changing hands quite a lot. But Tim is the leader uh, with 707 points. Um, the performer of the week is Javier Chacon, who is uh, in second place as a result of that. But he got 144 points, which is a lot. 
Um, and as far as the Chelsea fancasters are concerned, in sixth place is Marco Worrell, who of course won it last year and was third overall of everybody, all the other leagues and everything else. So Marco, Marco is the man to beat, really. Uh, and guess who's in seventh place? None other than me, Chidge. Are you? Are I am you in seventh place. place. Yeah. Seventh place. Well done, Chidge. Well, well done. done. Oh yeah, baby. I'm on a bit of a roll. I I I basically got a bonus. Another. I've I've had nine spot ons, which is probably about as many as I got last season. So, yeah. So it's all kind of doing all right at the moment. Um, Dean uh, Dane is in eleventh. Uh, Martin Wickham, who's again always one to watch from our mob. He's twenty second. Uh, Dino is in thirty second. Dan Silver, who's a, a new boy for us this year in the in the competition, he's thirty ninth. And uh, that's page one. And there's this big thing about the Prem Predictions League is it's, there are 96 players and it's spread over two pages because you only get 50 on a page. And I spent I gone down to page two. Again? Well, I was going to say, you know, most of last season, JK, I spent most of my time trying to get off page two, if you remember, and just yeah. decided it was a massive achievement when I did that. Anyway, Dan Silver's 39th and then you're on to page two and you've got in 83rd place, you've got Tony Glover. In eighty fourth place, you've got Mark Meehan. I forgot. I forgot last week. You got thirty. Forgot, you got thirty three points. No, but this is true. Sorry, <laughs> I, I, I forgot last week. And twenty eight of those points, I've had, I've always had Man City down as the quickest uh, goal scorer. Right, right, right. So I didn't. I didn't even do Man City's prediction, but they still gave me twenty eight points because on the the, the, de- the default. Yeah. Well, well done, you. Uh, and then um, so I'm afraid, you know, what do they say, J.K. Form is temporary, class is permanent. Uh, well, I tried hard for a few weeks and then, you know... Well, what are you broke, doing, man? You were doing fine. You were doing fine. And then suddenly you're now in 94th place. Yeah. You've got two people below you. Uh, I suspect Uzama, bless him, only got points because he did what Mark did and didn't do anything and it had saved the fact that he chose Man City for quickest scorers. I did a couple of, um, of ridiculous you ones. You got minus 66 points, mate. How did you manage yeah. that? Well, I did a couple of four nils well, and for five fuck's nils, sake. but just for people who I thought, you know, they might. Nobody you know. got anywhere near minus 66 points. <laughs> Leave the bloody four nils alone, man. You were doing <laughs> fine. <laughs> you were doing huge. But you say that, someone correctly predicted the Spurs-Leicester game last week, 6-2. Well, that's just now, bollocks, isn't it? Well, well, no, exactly. So, you know, JK's theory could come in, you know, could work. Yeah, but like for one game in one week, you've got to play the percentages <laughs> in this game. For fuck's sake. I had a tutorial from Marco, and since then, my scores have gone completely the right way. That's all I'm saying, all right? Now, um, we've also got some ex-players in our league, as you know. Uh, we've got Pat Nevin. He's in 26. Pat's doing all right this year. Uh, Canners uh, is in 40th and basically relies on me to predict the scores for him most of the time because he's hard to get hold of. Uh, that, as Loz will point out, there is an absolute anomaly here that we have Chris Sutton in our group. Loz, you know, don't ask. You have to remind me. Don't ask. Kiro said, Chris Sutton's in our league. He's, he used to play for Chelsea so he could go in your group before I even had a chance to say, no! And actually, I said, fuck it, put him in and we'll just delight in beating the shit out of him every week. So that's what I settled for. Anyway, Sutton's in, uh, what did I say? He's in 62nd. Poor old Kerry's having a torrid time this year. Kerry's pretty good at this and he takes it very seriously. But he's in joint 65th, but he's having a bit of a shot. He's having a few shocking weeks. 
So uh, he's not happy about that. Now, um, these boys are also in the league, and I'm going to quickly whiz down. Bobby D is in 13th. How's that then? Well, they've dropped down a bit, but uh, I missed two two games last week. So ah. you're just above me. So. Well, you're doing pretty well, I think, if you're in 13th. Uh, laws, 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 laws. Where's laws? Come on, laws. You're doing quite well, aren't you? 47th. Is he 47th? Yeah. So he is, yeah. Well, Loz is normally... I'm surprised by that, Loz. You're uh, I miss, you know what, Chich, that first midweek week, I'm, I missed that whole round. So I'm a, I've missed a round and I'm trying to play catch-up now. Yeah, the trick... When you're going to miss a round, the trick is to miss a round where everybody does shit. <laughs> I think I might have done that, actually. And, and I probably would have got less points if I'd have actually played that week, if you know what I mean. Uh, and uh, Theo, Theo's new, Theo's new to this, this this year, I think. You were in 51st place, Theo, which is not too bad. Consistently average. It's a percentages game, Theo. It's a long game. I keep saying this to people who get very desperate about it on, on Discord. It's a very long season. It really, really is. And anything can happen. But it is great fun. And I, and I, 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 I love playing this. And it's great to see so many of you... Uh, joining in the league as well and uh, we've even got a, a a channel on discord where we sit there and commiserate about the bastard referee giving a last minute goal through VAR, not var which is denied you a spot on which happens far too many times doesn't it gents yes they're nodding they know what i mean so there you jolly well go now that i think is uh time to call time on this little show today uh it's been great fun i have to say i really do love doing these um now, we will be back on Monday night, kind of, uh, not in the flesh, of course, because it's an international break. So there's absolutely bugger all football to talk about. But uh, we, what I'll do instead, I'm going to release one or two of our, our Chelsea special series, if you remember them from a few years ago. So I might do the Canners one. That's a big, long one, the Canners one. We've got a Canners one, a Kerry Dixon one, and a Danny Harkins one to come. So uh, I'll do the, uh, I think I'll do the Canners one. Uh there are other podcasts to listen to. Dean will probably be coming out uh, with a review of the women's game at the weekend uh, sometime next week, so check that out. It's on the same platform as us, ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, as well as all other podcast distributors. Um, now, um, I'm, I mean, you know, I, I normally at this time plug Patreon, but I've actually got three people who, for some mad crazy reason, have signed up to Patreon. So I'm going to ask them why the hell they did this madness, Bobby D., um, the reason I did this madness was, was it 15 years ago when I started listening, um, there was nothing on Chelsea. So the service you provided me for the last 15 years go above and beyond the call of duty and I know how much work you put in. So it's just a small amount and uh, every little helps and uh, yeah, you the service you provided be far more than what I pay. So That'd it's all worth it. Very kind of you, Lars. Uh, listen, I think without us being Patreons, we would not have seen the birth of the Chelsea fanbite, which has been the greatest <laughs> invention <laughs> on Twitter in the last 20 years. So, you know, I'm glad I, I'm glad we were around to allow that to be birthed. What a brilliant answer. Mm. What a brilliant answer. JK, you're on mute, mate. You are on mute. Unmute your button. Oh, sorry. It was um, it was only um, created to advertise the fan cast. That was the idea. And the you should, idea you should that... tell them what the genesis of it was. Yeah, it was uh, 
it was we wanted to get everybody to come on to talk about each of each person the fan cast could then talk about a game um uh, and and then that would go up and it wasn't supposed to be just me doing it but um uh i think clayton was given the opportunity after i'd done the first one and he said i don't think i could beat that he said i think you need to have another go so uh so i did and then um offered dan the opportunity and i think he was a bit wary so uh i just kept going with them you know so uh um even i yeah. backed off mate you, did you back off. Well, yes. i never didn't backed you... off for anything but i backed but off did, that did... one didn't you do one when you were pissed? <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was the trouble. That was the trouble. I'll do one, he says. I'll do it. Uh, no problem at all. I can be fine again. <laughs> oh, that, that, that is very true. You see, there is a reason. Bobby D will remember this. When we first started the fan cast. Back in 2008, we would record them straight after the match in Putney Station, which is this pub in Putney. And we'd all be shit-faced. And it would just be just lunacy. It was chaos. It was kind of fun for a while because people thought, what the fuck is this madness? But it was just too much. We had to stop doing them because we were just too pissed. So we, we that's when we moved it to kind of a Monday. So there you go. Yes, I forgot about the fact that every, every time I did a fan bite with you, I was absolutely shit-faced. Yes, there we go. Uh, Theo, what on earth? What sort of gone, JK? Go on. The best one we did was when uh, you and I just went. Uh... <laughs> yes. And they cut it. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, Theo. Me putting my thumb up, by the way, for anybody yeah. listening. Theo, what brought you to this madness that is Patreon? Well, um, that last bit might bring me to watch some of those older episodes because that sounds bloody interesting. <laughs> so I should. I should. Uh, do but, you know what? Yeah. I should put. I mean, the trouble is. I mean, I should put I should put them just available on the Patreon group, really. But you've got to understand that it was a very different world then, and you could get away with saying things then that you couldn't possibly get away with saying now. So that I'm a bit yeah. worried about putting them on because they're a bit naughty. <laughs> we had to be we a had, bit selective. We had Chell Tell on, and that's all I'm going to say. Bobby might have to explain that one. He's not very PC, is he? Uh, very much so, no. And always remember the escalator story and uh, um, how he drank too much and it all ended up going down the escalator at some uh, shopping centre. That so, had something yeah. to do with carrots, didn't it? <laughs> yes, no celery, just carrots. Yes, yeah. that's right. But I'll think <laughs> about it. I, maybe if I, put a, if I put a caveat on there, is look, look, please do not be offended or accuse <laughs> us of xenophobia, racism, homophobia, sexism... Or, or any of the above these these were made at a different you know i have to put a caveat out there but i might i might do that because i think that'd be fun anyway i interrupted you theo i'm very sorry you came you came, no, you came right. why did you come for the madness oh look you you guys do a great job and um yeah i always find myself wanting to talk about chelsea post-match and yeah i, I get that even though you know i don't say anything i just listen to you guys most of the time but you do a fantastic podcast and um, I feel the urge to support it. And I think, um, yeah, people should get behind it because it's brilliant. There we go. Well, that's incredibly kind of all three of you. Yes, and JK is applauding. Then nobody, get, nobody gets applause from JK. So you've, impre- you've impressed him. No, I mean, it's just, you know, praise, praise hard earned is the best praise, JK. So I'm applauding you for that, actually. You get applause from me. I, so does my, everybody does. I know, that's true, actually. You're a sweetheart, really. Anyway, um... 
well i think well thank you three obviously for being on the patreon but for saying what you said so eloquently and, and i'm really impressed the fact that none of you said well i signed up because i wanted to ch- uh, carry dixon mini banner you know which is what you get really for signing up and of course the discord group which i i, I th- as i said earlier on i thoroughly enjoy all that so if you want to join these fine people and uh, many many people that you'll find in mixlow who who listen live with us by the way if you want to join them all you have to do is go to patreon bung us a few quid every month and it's all yours patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast if you want to do that emails if you want to send an email in to us to get read out on the show we always read them out uh and uh doesn't matter you know how long it is or how short we'll read them out chelsea fancast at gmail.com is the email address but you can also send it to patreon <laughs> instagram uh, facebook discord wherever you can find us twitter we'll read it out you don't worry about that um you can follow the show on all the social media at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chiz, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, and uh, Mark at Eddie Mac B-A-W-A. That is pretty much it for tonight. Uh, apart from to say, Theo, um, have you enjoyed yourself tonight? It's been great having you on here. I love doing these, as you can probably tell. Yeah, mate. Even though I had to get up at quarter to five, I loved it. Not oh, for a Saturday morning. That's horrible. Quarter to five? <laughs> Fuck me. What time is it over there now? What is it? Uh, it's 7.30, so I'm due for a nap, I think. Fuck me, that's impressive. Christ, <laughs> I feel I feel guilty. Worth, <laughs> worth it, nah, worth it. Totally my choice, but worth oh, it. Oh, good on you, mate. It's been lovely to meet you and have you on here. Anytime, you're welcome back. Uh, Loz. Hey, listen, great fan as always, Chich. It was a mm. pleasure to be here. Yeah. And it's uh, a pleasure to enjoy not just the fruits of this stuff, but the whole community you guys have created because uh, Discord has become... Like, I have to check in a few times a day just to see what people are up to. They've like, become see like... What, see what stupid nonsense sticks wrote. <laughs> well, yeah. Of course, you know. But even he, with his old Discord, you know, speeches and Crowder, and there's some characters in there, that's for yeah. sure, but it's well worth being there. So, But thanks for having me on the show. It's been an absolute joy. Yeah, well, I echo that too, mate. It's been a pleasure having you on here. Now, when are we going to get you over to Stamford Bridge for a game and a pint or three? Uh, yeah, well, now, you know, we, as you may or may not know, Canada's been the last country to really open up our travel arrangements. So it's been, I'm hoping maybe, you know, after the World Cup, all things being equal. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, well, you must let us know when you do because it would be great to see you in the pub and have a proper chat, you know, because it's lovely seeing people on here, but, you know, you can't be having a beer in a pub before a Chelsea game. Can you, Bobby D? No, well, it depends. You can plan to come here and still Oh, I know. Oh, poor chap. I know. Um, <clears throat> I, I looked at the Prem- <clears throat> Predictions League, and there's a reason I think I'm number 13. But um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not sure who's more unluck- unlucky, you or Billy Gilmore. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I haven't even made it down to Brighton yet. But um, no, it's, it's been a great pleasure. And it's, it's like I said earlier, and it's, it's great to do it in a normal hour and, and see you guys. So uh, no, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, great. So it was good to see you yesterday. And just a reminder if anybody has got a spare for the Palace game, Rob, Bobby D would bite your arm off for it. And I tell you what, I can't think of anybody who deserves it more than him. Uh, so there you go. And the other thing, actually, is um, I, I'll. I'll, when we're off air, I've got something to talk to you about, Mark, revolving Bobby D and a, and a certain shirt. All right, but I'll save that for off air. You okay. three, you three have been fantastic. It's been an absolute delight and a pleasure yeah, having great. you. Yeah, well, yeah, round of applause for the Patreon Discord, brilliant Chelsea fancast people. 
Yes. And uh, as for you two, Mark, uh, brilliant for you coming along and, uh, you know, spending your Friday night with us. I love your dedication and commitment to the cause. No, thanks. And Theo, Lars, Bobby D, absolutely fantastic having you on here tonight. And some brilliant yeah, questions you've been great. as well. Absolutely yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, really brilliant questions. Mm, yeah. They were, weren't yeah. they? They were, they yeah. were. Yeah. And Thank you for your support, guys. Fantastic. Yeah, love it. definitely. And uh, as for you, Mr. Kidd, um, always oh. great fun. Always great fun. I just i laughed it cheers me up you know I've, I've had a shit you know that we get this from the listeners a lot don't shit. we what? no no i did have a shit actually just before i came oh. on air but um no i mean a lot of people write in and they say oh you know it cheers me up listening to you lot blah 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 if i've had a really shit week and i'm like oh fucking hell, i don't really fancy doing this and then i do it because i have to do it and then i just have a laugh with you you know and whoever else is on and i feel much better so i kind of know what they mean so thank you for that jk you start off the show miserably yeah. and by the end of it you're bubbling yes well yeah. a lot of that's down to you and whoever else we've got on so thank you you know but well, it's also it. down to the couple of bottles of red cap that probably helps as well yeah, right. it helps him on the way through. i don't yeah but i don't always have a drink during the show i'll have you know yes, you do no i don't i'm not an alcoholic much uh no but there you go no it's brilliant to see you all as always on a friday uh we look forward to seeing you week today i think when we've got real football comes back so uh i've got to do the schedule haven't i that just just reminded me i need to do the next schedule but uh, anyway enough thanks to everybody who's listened tonight uh thank you particularly to uh bobby d and Loz and theo for joining us tonight that's been brilliant and uh, of course all the lovely people on mixler we will see you uh, a week today we'll have a show on monday that will be a pre-recorded show but we'll do uh, a live one a week today so until then keep it blue keep it carefree and keep it chels It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.